All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 195th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I'm here on a special edition of the show this evening, not sitting with regular co-host Justin Raffoff, who is having the time of his life closer to the west coast of the United States at the moment. So joining me this evening are two newcomers to the show, plus another person who is looking <laughs> over my shoulder behind me that has been on the show before when we've been talking sports. Uh, he is responsible for some of the music you hear on the show, our, our normal intros and outros, and that would be music producer Greg Hill. And to his right sits Brent Berenshausen, uh, a huge, huge Star Wars fan, and one of the reasons that he's here this evening with us. Say hello, Brent. Hello. How's everybody doing? <laughs> and to my right here sits Dr. Brian Berenshausen, also lifelong Star Wars fans. And in case you haven't seen the announcement, in case you're listening to us for the first time, this is not your normal Joe Mays and JRAF show where we'll be talking sports in any capacity whatsoever the focus of this special edition of the show will be the blockbuster seventh installment to the star wars franchise better known as the force awakens it's been out now for over a week it came out uh, technically on december 18th though three of us here saw it at the wide release previews on thursday the 17th and uh it's the Star Wars franchise has a Im huge impact on all of our lives, and we're huge fans of it, and we're so thrilled that it is back here. And uh, it's created a lot of talking points, and we're going to cover a lot of those this evening. This is kind of spurned by, really, uh, Brent sitting there behind me. Back in the spring, he asked if I listened to many podcasts, and despite doing a podcast with Justin... I didn't listen to any podcast whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I obviously knew a, a lot about them, but I just never took advantage of the iTunes podcasts on, on my phone. And Brent said, you really should start listening to some of the Star Wars podcasts. They're very, very good. And he suggested uh, one in particular, which was the Star Wars Underworld, which was started, I think, four or five years ago uh, by a couple of gentlemen or a few gentlemen that I now listen to regularly and look forward to their new podcast coming out, uh, the Star Wars Underworld, StarWarsUnderworld.com. Um, ben, Dominic, and Chris uh, do a wonderful job there. While I was looking up that one that he suggested, I also found Rebel Force Radio, as well as MakingStarWars.net's Now This Is Podcasting. Uh, all three of those are wonderful, and there's many more out there. Uh, I know C Coffee with Kenobi, uh, The Force Cast, which is one of the originals, uh, Star Wars Report. There, there's a veritable jungle of Star Wars podcasts available, and we're just doing this one-off show because we all enjoyed the movie so much and have been lifelong Star Wars fans. We thought it would be a fun thing to do during the holiday break. So, um, without further ado, we'll quickly just general thoughts or general quick introductions from the three guests here, and we'll be on our way talking about The Force Awakens. So I'm going to throw it to you, Brian. A little intro, a little bit about yourself and Star Wars, and uh, then you can throw it to your brother. All right, great. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, like Joey said, I'm Brian. Uh, big Star Wars fan, lifelong Star Wars fan. Uh, really enjoyed The Force Awakens. Uh, we're going to do uh, a breakdown for you in just a couple minutes, um, but I thought it was uh, more than worthy successor to the original trilogy, uh, and I really look forward to, uh, to chatting with everyone about it. Brent? Okay. Uh, again, lifelong Star Wars fan. I guess I was a Star Wars fan since about the third grade. Um, 
probably uh, I know a lot of the podcasts I've been listening to, a lot of people I've been talking to have talked about ranking this movie. And for me, I don't personally, as, as far as talking about the movie generally, I don't like to rank the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like to enjoy every movie for what it is. Um, a lot of people say, oh, this is my favorite. I definitely have a favorite and um, probably could say what my favorite and my least favorite is. But doesn't mean that I really, I don't really like to rank them. I guess I just did in a way, but I just, I don't like to really rank them. I just kind of like to put them on and enjoy them each for what they are. So, but this movie was right up there. Loved every, every bit of it. I thought it was awesome. And we'll get into more details soon. So, Gregory. All right. Um, yeah, kind of, uh, based off what Brent said, I was kind of at a family party earlier and everybody was saying, what, uh, how do you rank it? Uh, you know, is it, be- is it your favorite one so far? Do you like it better than the originals? And I say, well, it hasn't stood the test of time yet. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, a lot of people were freaking out about episode one when it first came out, and we see how that's gone, you know, uh, you know, almost 20 years later. So um, it, it was uh, just definitely the hype, but I do think this one will kind of live up to uh, the reputation of the, at least the original trilogy. Yeah, so... We've all only able to see it once except Brent. Brent has seen it twice and is now going to see it a third time in a few days. I am going again to see it for a second time tomorrow night. And uh, it's one thing to get me to go to the theater at all. It's another to have me go back and see the same film multiple times. Mm -hmm. And while I don't think it necessarily just completely says that this is an incredible (laughs) film, which I think it is, it's also the Star Wars brand and what they've built up over the last, you know, 35 years that you want to go back and spend the same amount of money to see the same film over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, much like we did with the prequels, because I know digging through old ticket stubs a couple weeks back, I found, <laughs> I think, five or six for The Phantom mm-hmm. Menace and uh, two or three for The Attack of the Clones. And I know I had multiples for Revenge of the Sith, which I believe we all saw together at midnight. So. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. Uh, and uh, on occasion, Brent is working at the sandwich shop with me, and we were talking a few weeks back, a few months back, that... We believe we have seen every single Star Wars movie together in the theaters. That's awesome. Uh, because of the special edition special re-releases edition, in right. the late '90s, yeah. and then we saw each of the prequels together, and now uh, Episode Seven we saw at 7 p.m. on Thursday in the uh, nationwide East Coast preview shows, uh, which was an incredible event. And actually, from that show that we were at, I was able to sneak and record the audio of the audience listening to the start of the movie you know when star wars flies onto the screen and you hear the john williams music start so we're going to take it just to listen to a little bit of that i, I do have to say before we started i didn't think the crowd w- was as excited as when we saw revenge of the sith if i remember correctly people were going nuts at uh, revenge well, there was of the a sith. lightsaber fight in yeah. the theater there was a lightsaber fight in the theater at the front of the theater if i'm not if i'm not mistaken like people dueling waiting for the movie to start yeah and you know, people are, you're going to hear them yelling and screaming and everyone's excited, but I don't think there, there was as much emotion as I expected. Mm-hmm. Everyone was kind of relaxed and maybe it's because it wasn't that the, the process to get tickets is so different now from just 10 years ago. You know, I've had these tickets since October and we found out earlier in the day before our showing that they were opening the theater four hours before to get seats. So there wasn't any waiting in line or trying to get a group together. It was, the process is a lot different than 2005, and it's a l- really different than 1999. Because oh, the yeah. advent of online ticketing really exploded towards the end of the prequel era. That's right. I picked my seats when I went to see Episode Seven. Like, I picked what seat in the theater I was going to sit and in. I did that for my viewing tomorrow night. Yep. So, yeah, very different. But it's still interesting to see what the crowd was like 
when uh, the Jonathan Williams theme kicked up and you see Star Wars fly overhead. So let's take a listen to that. This is that uh, like IMAX opening here. Oh, okay. We're gonna hear, be here in a few seconds. Doing a sound check. So yeah, they're, they're you know they're twirling and making this IMAX is the greatest ex viewing experience in the world. So it, it was interesting to me as we listened to this trash go on, is that there was no fanfare. Like, right. We, we knew there wasn't gonna be 20th Century Fox, but there was no Lucasfilm fanfare. It was just the Lucasfilm logo. We, we were accustomed to the digital releases a new Lucasfilm fanfare. They didn't even do that. That's true. It just black Lucasfilm, boom. Start. And yeah. that's, what, that's what we're about we did, to hear they here. They definitely did not waste any time. No, nope. they did not. So here we go. It was dark. There's the Lucasfilm logo. <laughs> that sounds a lot like the theater I saw it in too. I like Brent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably when a long yes. time ago from a galaxy far away came out yeah. on the screen in the traditional blue font. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something else to think about. We saw that seven o'clock versus Revenge of the Sith was midnight. So yes, that's true. Yeah, it's true. People were waiting even longer Super die for hard, it to happen. So, right, right. Right. Yeah. And, and more. Right. You're probably right. There probably were some people that were just like, yeah, I want to go see it. Let's go see the first one. But if it mm -hmm. had been at 10 or midnight, wouldn't maybe they wouldn't have gone right. there. It's completely different, though. Remember, remember, Brian, when we saw Phantom Menace for the first time in 1999. It was at midnight. I, you, one of your friends skipped school to get tickets for everybody. <laughs> right. That's like you said. There was no way yes, to buy yes, it. He did. He had yeah. to go to the theater. He had to go to the theater. Yeah, and wait in line exactly. and and uh yes he took a half day that day but, uh, <laughs> yeah i mean that's no other way i think There's that's no one of the reason there was it wasn't as hectic as you would probably you know expected it to be right because right. of that you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right well before we dive into the movie now i think we need to put this out as a courtesy courtesy right. that anyone listening to this if you're expecting us to do this without spoiling it <laughs> you're wrong so if you haven't seen the movie and you plan on seeing it you need to stop listening now. You know that's just that's just the way it's got to be. If you have seen the movie or you don't care hearing about it before you see it, stick with us because we're gonna do an hour here talking about everything, um, the entire film. We're gonna be breaking down shortly after we get into some stuff, uh, you know, good and bad, or our opinions on some things, and then we're just gonna break down the movie and and talk about it in depth. So. Um, this is your official spoiler alert. You've been warned. Mm -hmm. If you if something gets ruined, I don't want to hear you complaining to me on Facebook or Twitter that I can't believe you told me this happens in the movie. This is your spoiler alert right here. So I'll give you a second to get out. All right, I think they're gone. All right, long enough. Okay. All right, so we're going to do our quick takes on some of the basic stuff, a lot of the stuff that comes up in the awards um, sections, especially um, the Oscars that are going to be announced in January. Star Wars is expected to get some nods, not just not just in the areas that it got during the prequel area, which was more of the on the technical computer size. They're actually expected to get some nods, possibly in the big ones, including best overall film. Wow. Really? Yes. They're, it's See, not a I, given, but there there there's potential for them to have nominations in some of the key areas. 
uh, including a best overall picture. I thought really? that window had closed though, because because it wasn't them pushing the movie back from summer release to a to winter release. Gonna, well, gonna I know the announcements come summer? in January, but they weren't willing to push it back for some of the smaller awards. Uh, okay. I don't think the Academy starts delegation until the first of the year. Because technically, I think everything in 2015 is a, is is fair game, I right. believe. Mm-hmm. Well. I don't see how they couldn't be nominated for something for this yeah. case. Cause I, mean, I think they will be. Well, effects, if nothing else. I mean, mm-hmm. the the practical effects for this film are just un- unreal. They also nominate, like, what, nine or ten films right. for best film well, now? They can, yeah, they do no less than five and no more than ten, but there's nothing to say they have to take up to ten. They can, but they don't they have, have to. to. That's they the changed limit. that a few years ago. Okay. So, uh, well, up first, let's start with the big one, directing. J.J. Abrams was interesting choice because he was doing the Star Trek franchise. He's a huge Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. and that was actually one of the reasons he turned it down when Disney first came at him in the fall of 2012 after the purchase of uh, Lucasfilm and the Star Wars franchise. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, head of Lucasfilm, came back to him, posed the question of who is Luke Skywalker, and J.J. was hooked. Now, you know, almost three years after the fact that he was announced as the director, what did everyone think about J.J. Abrams and how he directed The Force Awakens? We'll start in the same direction, Brian. We'll go, go to you first. Yeah, I, well, I, I had a mixed reaction at first. I was uh, Initially, I was really excited because I uh, – let me put it this way. I'm not a Star Trek fan. I picked my side really early, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, But I did see the J.J. Abrams Star, War, uh, Star Trek movies. Excuse me. I get to see the J.J. Abrams Star Wars movie too, I guess. But uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie – uh, both of the ones that are out so far, and uh, I don't didn't know anything about Star Trek, didn't watch any previous Star Trek movies, uh, nothing, no shows, anything, and I love the movies. And so I was really uh, fascinated by the way that he was able to take a franchise I knew nothing about and make it immediately likable. Um, but the the only reservation that I had uh, is that Abrams is a big name. I mean, he is a he is a brand, and, and with that brand, it'd be like. Not quite casting or not quite hiring Steven Spielberg to do your Star Wars movie, but you know he's building a brand. And so, the cool thing about some of these Star Wars movies, uh, at least the original ones, um, the original trilogy, is that Lucas is you know he had not really directed many films up until that point, uh, and there were sort of um, sort of uh, I don't know, more unknowns. Uh, but Abrams is a big brand, and so I was just kind of I was worried a little bit um, that Disney, having purchased this really really valuable both monetarily and culturally franchise was going to try to blow it up big right away most uh, important entertainment franchise in the world in the, right exactly so you know and i guess from their perspective you got to do what you got to do you got to get one of the hottest filmmakers right now who also can really uh do the sci-fi action genre probably better than anybody else right now um, you got to get him on board but that's the only reservation i had is that you know I, I, he's, he's got his own style and visual language and I wanted to make sure that the Abrams brand didn't necessarily overshadow uh, the Star Wars brand yeah it's, it's an interesting component I, I know when he was announced my first thought was wow he's doing Star Trek and Star Wars that's an interesting mix right there exactly, but exactly, I, I want right. to echo everything you said about him with Star Trek I knew nothing about Star Trek mm-hmm. I didn't want to go see the movie because it's like I'm not a Star Trek person mm-hmm. and then we I think we rented it and watched it I was like that was really good yeah the, yeah. the thing with that is, I think his movies, Star Trek and Into Darkness, the sequel, mm-hmm. got a new generation into Star Trek, but the diehard Star Trek fans were not happy right. because he right. really messed with their universe. With the continuity and stuff, And yeah. people weren't pleased about that, mm-hmm. but 
it's going to keep Star Trek going. We're getting mm. a new TV show now next right. in a year from about a year from now. I think it's early 2017. Mm-hmm. And that's because of JJ Abrams and what he did. Right. Not what the original, you know, Gene Roddenberry's been gone for a long time now, but mm-hmm. you know that franchise was just kind of there and living on the past. There was nothing really new. I mean, when was the last TV show went off air? Probably Ten, ten years ago or least, something like that least, yeah. uh, there hadn't been a new movie for a decade or so mm-hmm. maybe longer I, mm-hmm. I really know nothing about the original Star Trek stuff right, so right. I can't really say um, but Star Trek Into Darkness and now the, the the third part of the trilogy coming out and I know JJ didn't hasn't had too big a hand in it if at mm-hmm. all because of all the Star Wars stuff um, but now it's back and people are thinking about Star Trek. Right. So he was able to do that. Now, I don't think there was a problem with Star Wars, uh, whether or not it was going to be him, but I agree with you too. Fading also into saying obscurity or anything. They needed to make a splash. They made this purchase for $4.1 billion. Mm-hmm. They announced all these new movies. They had to get everyone's attention. Right. The diehard Star Wars fans, the the standard Star Wars fans, and the mm-hmm. people that just love movies. They needed everyone to everyone go see board. it, yeah. to make it a success, to mm-hmm. get their money back. And getting someone like J.J. Abrams was probably the right move, and I think all of us agree after watching it, it absolutely was the right move. Right. But, Bram, what did you think about J.J. Abrams? Once again, I did not know J.J. Uh, I only knew him a little bit for his work, and mostly from other people liking his work. I had a lot of friends in college that were big fans of Lost, and they were really big into that. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I really knew about J.J. is that lots of people liked his stuff. I did, like you guys, see the uh, Star Trek movie uh, and loved it. And so that really, for, for me, the only thing that I really knew of his work was the Star Trek movie. I didn't really wasn't really a fan of any of his TV shows or anything like that. Having said that, now that I've seen Star Wars and now that I've actually watched multiple interviews with him and heard multiple interviews with him, he is hands down the best person for this job. He was, and I'm uh, and now I'm to the point where I'm almost worried about Episode Eight because I know he's going to help to executive produce that movie, but he had such an awesome, uh, awesome role and I think uh, impact on this on this movie alone that I'm almost a little concerned about Episode Eight. That's that's probably for a, a show of a different day. Yeah. You... But but I think for for me, like he he absolutely nailed this movie down, um, and uh, I I I think. You know, his hopefully input as executive producer will have a good impact on the next one. You're right. Yeah, he is the executive producer on episode eight, and then I think he's bowing out entirely for nine. But mm-hmm. he said he's read Ryan Johnson's script, and Correct. they will start full filming, mm-hmm. I think, in the new year. And he absolutely loved it and wishes he was the one working Directing. on it. <laughs> now, did he have to say that? Well, no, he didn't have to say mm-hmm. that, but the way that he said it makes me think he's being sincere right. yeah and that oh, he really definitely. likes the direction that ryan johnson is mm-hmm. taking so i'm not really concerned after saying the force awakens you know i had my reservations you always do when there's change coming but after seeing it the, i i have full faith in ryan johnson jj abrams executive producer and kathleen kennedy overseeing everything mm-hmm. and disney as a whole who i was much warmer to the reception of disney buying star wars because a lot of people thought that was the end like this was going to be just a disaster which i'm a disney lover to begin with so i had no qualms with them buying them whatsoever and yeah, see, i think I, I was the opposite though i, was, I know you were i, I was talking a little to you bit, about i it. was a little bit uh you know hesitant to to buy into the whole disney thing but i have to tell you Never. I, I, I now see I now see that Disney is the only company. They're using the proper tone and yeah. they're tackling mm-hmm. it. They're not interjecting unnecessary mm-hmm. themes 
they are staying true to Star Wars. What 95% of the people out there think that this was an incredible film. Um, you know, you look at Cinema Score and Rotten Tomatoes and everything. These are people paid to criticize movies almost, I don't want to say unanimously, but, you know, 90, 95% of people are saying it's a worthy installment in the franchise and it's a great movie to mm -hmm. boot. So before we move on, Greg, what's your take on J.J. Abrams as a director and specifically in the Star Wars universe? Well, uh, my first experience with him was watching Lost thanks to my wife, Laura. Um, she watched the show and got me into it about season three, I guess. And then so I watched from there to the end. Um, <clears throat> like you guys, I'm not into Star Trek, although I may have seen a little bit more of Star Trek, but not followed it in any regard. My mom had me watch, I think, probably the five old movies of the original cast with Shatner and all of them. I couldn't really tell you anything about them because I was pretty little. Um... And so when I heard that he was redoing the Star Trek uh, movies, I went and saw it in IMAX, which was awesome. And uh, I really enjoyed those. And I, I for, for a less than casual fan of Star Trek, um, I, I really enjoyed them. And um, so I think he did a really good job. And I said it would be great if, if he could do something with Star Wars. And so... Um, <laughs> I was looking in my Facebook memories, as I do almost mm -hmm. daily, and I saw something from a couple of, what was it, four years ago that said J.J. Abrams turns down Star Wars, and my, my status was, no! <laughs> so, but then, of course, that, that changed, and I was yeah. uh, really excited, and <clears throat> I really didn't read anything about the new film because I didn't, I just wanted to go see it because I feel like I read too much about all the other ones in anticipation and, and I, I don't want to say it ruined it for me but I knew what was going to happen and I read spoilers and I knew how things were going to turn out and, uh, so I, I was really 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 uh, pleased with the, the end result so and like Brent I'm a little apprehensive that he's not uh, directing the um, he's not directing episode 8 uh, but with his hand in it I think it'll be okay so all right, J.J. Abrams didn't just direct the film. He actually was one of the lead writers on it, mm -hmm. which I think kind of kept the continuity and the cohesiveness because uh, he, he knew he could anticipate what was coming because he had a hand in writing the script. He did it with um, some guys you might have heard of, um, Lawrence Kasdan. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. No, you have no idea. Oh, he wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's a familiar Only one. Probably in two of the greatest Star, Star Wars, Wars universe. Yeah, right. Um, they actually took it, though, from Michael Arndt, mm -hmm. who I believe mm -hmm. is a writer for The Office at one time. Maybe. Yeah, he yeah, might have been. And he's Boy had his hand right? in a bunch of scripts rewriting to get it produced. And he's the original writer for The Force Awakens, which we found out this week was at one time called Shadow of the Empire. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. interesting allusion there. Uh, Arndt was on the job for about three or four... Well, he said he started conversations with, with Lucasfilm um, in early 2012, and then Disney bought it uh, October 30th, 2012. And he stayed on for a few months, and eventually they brought in Abrams and Kasdan, and Arndt left. But enough of his stuff stayed in the movie that he's still credited as, as a writer. Cool. Uh, he kind of did an outline. He never had a full script or any dialogue, or if there was any, it was very little. He kind of just had the breakdown. And they trashed some of it. That's where kind of George Lucas's stuff ended up going by the wayside. Mm -hmm. uh, he was close with Arndt working on it because he was going to be a consultant on the movie. But once Abrams got the job, brought in Kasdan, they kept very little of Arndt's stuff, which was mm -hmm. very closely tied to George Lucas's work. 
and uh, kind of took over. So knowing that and the hands um, in the kitchen, you know, making this uh, this delicious meal that we ate, how uh, how do you feel about the script, the writing, the dialogue? Did it, what what did you think of the flow and the interactions with the character through their voice? Um, I thought the writing was great. I really did think it sounded like a Star Wars movie. Um, it's tough to capture that tone if you haven't seen it. It's hard to describe that tone to, to folks who have not seen a Star Wars movie. But there's just sort of like, I don't know, there's just sort of an air of fantasy to it, right? Where characters, their dialogue's just a little stilted, especially the Jedis, right? They, they just talk uh, with a little bit of formalization. Now, we wouldn't see that a lot in this film, but I just felt like um, the, the writing itself was, was so tight. There was not a, a missed scene in the movie, although um, somebody might uh, disagree with me on that. Now, if I had to pick one thing to cut, I would, I'll talk about that later. But um, the movie was just so tight, uh, incredibly tight, unlike episode one, for example, where people can easily identify moments in the movie that could be sort of excised or expunged. Um, but overall, you know, extraordinarily tight movie uh, makes up for a very, very compelling film. I thought... And you nailed it. It sounded and felt like the Star Wars film from the, from the 70s and 80s. It just mm -hmm. flowed really well. The the quips that were there, the nods, everything just fit so perfectly in, into one, you know, huge puzzle. And it just came together without any any issues uh, in, in in writing and, and dialogue. Which from the prequel, as much as I love the prequel films, and I think they add so much to the Star Wars mythology. And some of my favorite characters and events happen in the prequels. The the one drawback was always the dialogue just at some points it was just like wow that's that's just not what you expected it's not what you wanted but i think force awakens really harkens back to the original trilogy and one that really stood out and i don't know if this was the writing or the acting or hopefully it was both coming together but i thought han solo i thought the lines that he delivered the way they were written if he took it from the script and then how he delivered them i just thought was spot on i thought it was incredible i think i think we're not worried to get get to the characters in a little bit. But yes. I think the best way to describe Harrison Ford's job in this movie is that he was Han Solo. Right? He lived it to a T. He, he, right. he was it. That was it. And in everyone's mind, what they pictured and heard Han Solo, he delivered. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can't say anything better. You can't say anything worse about it. He was Han Solo in that right. movie, which was awesome. It will be interesting. I, you know, I would like to get my hands on a script someday. They often publish those things, but uh, famously sort of Han Solo ad-libbed a couple of things right. um, in in his earlier films, and uh, I'd love to see what kind of liberties he took. Right? How uh, how this true one, just, to their writing right, was he? Be, right, because he does he does really just embody that character, and um, I'd just be really fascinated to see what what he what he changes. Greg, what was your take on the writing? I thought it was really good. It definitely felt like an old Star Wars, and that's what my ma biggest reaction has been to people uh, is just saying it feels like it an original Star Wars. Um, it, it fits right in, and um, I definitely thought it, it was it was awesome. And so it was... I hope... <laughs> I don't know if J.J. Abrams is writing the next movie or helping, but I hope... No, I don't believe that no. he is. I think he's just kind of like a co yeah, consultant yeah. producing it. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll we'll see. Hopefully... I don't know if the same team of writers wrote the, for the original trilogy, and I, I know that it wasn't the same three people each time, but... Mm -hmm. No, because Lucas did up. a new hope. Right, Lucas did a new and hope. And then Laren Lawrence Kasdan had his hands in two and three. Or mm -hmm. excuse me, five and six. Yeah. So 
um, overall, I think we're all impressed with the writing. That one area, and this is this is the reason that I don't give it a perfect, and I, I don't know if this has so much to do with the people responsible for the editing or if it was just kind of what J.J. Abrams presented to them. The one drawback I felt was the pacing of the movie. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was almost too fast. Like mm. Some people mm-hmm. talk about the prequels were too slow. Too slow there right. was too much contextual stuff that they thought could be, you know, brought down, or as you said, excised mm-hmm. some portions or condensed. Whereas I thought The Force Awakens moved so fast. It does go quick. Compared to what we had seen in the prequels. I don't think they found the happy mix that at times you saw in the original trilogy. Although mm, a lot of people Empire. complain yeah. that at least the dreaded term millennials feel as though the original trilogy is slow. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's one of their complaints. When you show it to them that haven't seen it, they're like, well, that, that they couldn't hold their attention because it wasn't moving fast mm-hmm. enough. Well, this moved really fast. Yeah. And I think it's because we know there was a lot left on the editing room floor. Um, Marion Brandon and Mary Jo Markey were the editors, and obviously J.J. Abrams has a huge role in the editing process. I just felt like they cut out some parts that they could have left in. I, I don't think there had to be a reason it was two hours and 16 minutes. If they could have gotten it to, to two and a half hours, I think it should have been two and a half mm-hmm. hours because mm-hmm. I think that those 14 minutes they cut off could have helped a lot to clarify some things, let you catch your breath a little. Like some things, and we'll talk about this more in depth when we do the breakdown of the film, such as we don't know really anything about the Republic. Like, right. at all. Like, there's right. basically nothing told to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, very little um, by the resistance at the base, maybe with a, or, a General Leia. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this, 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 and they're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you don't know anything about the state of the galaxy at right. all. Right, right. And so that was a little bit... the factions? Nothing. We don't know anything right. about and, it. And some stuff with uh, Maz Kanata. Like, you don't see her hand the lightsaber to Leia. That part was gone. Completely so yeah. Maz is left in a state... Is she even around anymore? Mm-hmm. Now we know from that cutscene that she was supposed to be because that took mm-hmm. place after the battle. Mm-hmm. But what happened to that character? I, it was one. I just there's a couple things that I thought you could feel there was a scene there that they got rid of for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and I just felt that there could have been a little bit more depth to parts. And that was my one of my two or three issues that I have with the film in general was the editing and the pace of it. Well, mm-hmm. what did you guys think? I, I, I um I totally know how you felt. Because after seeing the movie for the first time, especially like maybe the first 20 minutes of it, I was exhausted. But I'll tell you what, having been, having, I guess I'm the only one here that's seen it more than once. So I can tell you right now, that is, that is better the second time. So that's a first time viewing result. I think so. First of all, you're very excited the first time you're doing it. Adrenalines are high. Very true. I've only been waiting three years for it. Adrenaline was 30 some years for it. That's right. Adrenaline was running high. Right, and so we were, were super excited, and there's tons of stuff that happens within the first 20, 25 minutes. Of the oh movie. my gosh! Yeah. So, but having seen it for the second time, I was starting to anticipate some of those things and could mm-hmm. catch some things that I missed the first time. That so is a very I, valid point. I, I, I definitely agree with you because that's how I felt the first time. But I, I, I actually enjoyed, maybe even enjoyed the movie a little bit more the second time. I could even say that just because I was picking up on things that even I remember talking to Brian on the phone right after I watched the first the first time and I said I can't wait to see it again because I missed that you catch up. Mm-hmm. I wanted right. to see what he said I want to hear more closer what, what he, he said, said yeah. you know? that's, so. a, that's a great point and I'm seeing it for the second time tomorrow night I'm excited to see it but I know since I know what happens I can sit there and catch all the nuances and which I like that you point that out because that just tells me that I may love the movie even more than I already do mm-hmm. you know if I'm, if I'm given <laughs> this if I'm given this you know still you some know, room to grow in, there in 85 or a B or whatever you want to say <laughs> if I can get this up into an A yep. or you know that's great and seeing it at m- multiple times especially mm-hmm. when it comes out on blu-ray which is happening apparently april 5th 
um, and we can consume it even more, that that's great. So, well, maybe Greg, some of those scenes will be on the Blu-ray. Greg, what about scenes. you uh, and the editing and the pace of the movie? April 5th, um, well, kind of in regards to what you guys are saying, I don't know if they're they're planning on doing some kind of maybe extended edition yeah, or, or at least have deleted deleted scenes. Hopefully. Um, I don't know if it'll be like Lord of the Rings style I where really the, hope they the, don't do that. the movie is like, you know, <laughs> 20, half an hour, minute, uh, half an hour longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there will be deleted scenes because there's mm-hmm. – that's Well, yeah, I mean, JJ's um, come out and said the multiple scenes that were cut. I know of at least, I think, three off the top of my head. So I'm sure they would make it to the Blu-ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing about J.J. Abrams is – and have any of you guys seen Lost? No. 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 Okay. Lost is premised around people that crash on a plane and they all land on an island and somehow they're all connected to each other. Okay. And this, the whole series is premised on flashbacks and flash forwards. So I would be surprised if there wasn't a tiny bit of that in the, in the next episode, at least yeah. for some backstory on sure. how characters ended up where they are. Absolutely. So, um, and he's, based on lost i thought he did a really good job at doing that so i could definitely see with his hand in that his getting his little that's his little uh, little piece of of him in in the movies of of kind of forcing it to happen at least in the next episode um of of just going over some backstory so in regards to the pace in regards to unanswered questions i think i hope that's what he's going for so Hopefully, yeah, yeah. that would make sense. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find out in a couple months. Uh, probably right before the Blu-ray is released, we'll find out what's going to be on it. And hopefully deleted scenes or some kind of an extended edition. I'm not talking Lord of the Rings style. Just, you know, add a couple of scenes back into the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be okay with that. Uh, but we'll see what happens in a couple months. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on the next topic because we've got a lot to cover yet. Yep. Uh, but someone I wanted to mention because I just thought this was one of the best parts of the movies for me was the cinematography. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely stunning, some of the shots that they came up with. And mm-hmm. I know, obviously, as he does with everything as the director, J.J. had a hand in this. But um, his buddy, Dan Mindel, was the cinematographer. Um, he's obviously friends with uh, J.J. He did both Star Trek movies with him. He's also familiar with Disney doing John Carter, which, while it wasn't a box office success, was a beautiful movie. Yeah, I heard it was uh, good. He also worked on with J.J. on Mission Impossible 3, and he did Enemy of the State and Amazing Spider-Man 2. So he's, he's familiar with a bunch of different uh, action and uh, fantasy sequences, and I thought what he did with The Force Awakens was absolutely incredible. And if there's one nod I'd like to see in some of the awards come through, is, is I think Dan Mindel did a great job with the force awakens mm-hmm. definitely definitely reflects the original trilogy quite a bit because i was actually uh watching uh last night watching episode four again and started episode five and one of the things you notice too if you because i was making a lot of parallels to episode four episode seven in regards to the look of it and a lot of those tatooine shots mm-hmm. in episode four those mm-hmm. big landscape shots mm-hmm. you see those exact same well very similar type of shots in the, in, ep, in the beginning of episode seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see the crash star destroyer, when you see, uh, you know, Ray, um, wh- you know, when she first meets BB-8 on the sand dunes there, like those are shots that are that you could have just kind of almost pulled directly from episode mm-hmm. eight, you know, which is which is awesome. And this is a little cinematography, a little editing, kind of blends the two categories. But you know, one of the things that I always love about Star Wars is that it has a very very precise sort of visual language. So the the different um the different wipes would be an example right 
um, the way that the, you transition from scene to scene, like right? Circular, circular wipe or side some, wipe, or which are standard for Star Wars. But right, and so so, but the, 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 those are the things that like you have to nail if it's going to be a Star Wars movie, and they and they nailed it here, and that you know that that has, says a little bit about, but you know the way that you wipe from an interior to an exterior shot, or the way you know e even I don't know, just the transitions it, were smooth, they were appropriate. Right. The angles of the shots were incredible. Right. Just hearkening back, like Brent said, to the original trilogy, mm -hmm. the moments that you needed to feel the same emotion that you did. Uh, stuff on the Falcon, for instance. I right. just thought, um, the way everything blended together, I just thought was great. And, and uh, Dan yeah. Mindel did a wonderful, wonderful job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, the last part before we get into the acting is the music, which is a big one for everyone. I know it was one of the first things announced officially for The Force Awakens, besides J.J., was that John Williams was returning to do the music. Mm -hmm. I believe that was announced in the summer of 2013. It may have actually been announced at Celebration Europe. Mm -hmm. And everyone was really looking forward to it. The buildup over the last uh, four months since about August when he was really starting to get into things and we were preparing to, um, to work with an orchestra, not the London Symphony. They couldn't, they couldn't work their schedule together, but um, he, he got everything together. We saw a little glimpse on some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, specifically with some of the talk shows. And uh, the CD came out the same day as the official release date of the movie on December 18th. I know Brent and I both had it um, pre-ordered on iTunes and had it delivered to us a couple hours earlier than expected. I think it was late on the 17th that mm -hmm. it came out. Um, consuming that and the movie, um, I'm going to go last on this one, but I want to hear what you guys think of John Williams' music selections for uh, The Force Awakens. Why don't we start uh, with Greg on this one? I, I thought it was seamless. Uh, um, I, I have to see it again. Because it it wasn't it wasn't until I saw the first three episodes that you kind of picked up those themes uh, that you really kind of like you can you can probably imagine the, the musical themes from the first original three because you saw them how many times as a child and then the, then the, the the next the prequels came out and it wasn't until watching them several times that I kind of picked up and, and could memorize and, and remember the musical themes so having seen this once I couldn't couldn't whistle or hum one of the new themes uh from it but i'm sure that they'll they'll fit in just as well um because he kind of uh harkens back or forward or whatever direction he has to go in depending on what movies where the movie's taking place time wise uh he's, he takes the themes from earlier themes or later themes and kind of blends them together so i'm sure some of that's present i i wasn't really analyzing the music which is an oddity for me because um, I was really just paying attention to the storyline uh, the first time. But, uh, hopefully I'll see it. Uh, I think I'm going to see it again tomorrow and hopefully uh, pick up a little bit more on that. That's when you know you have someone hooked. Or someone who analyzes music basically as part of his job and does it so for movies and TV shows and anything else he does all the time. Forgets about it because he's so involved in the storyline. Mm -hmm. So that's probably a good sign. Yeah. So Brent, what's your take on John Williams' stuff? Well, I mean, John Williams is Star Wars. I mean, that's what, it, what it really when you think about it. You think of John Williams, you think of a lot of great movies, but I think the one that people most think about is Star Wars. Uh, this this soundtrack was awesome. I thought the um, having having uh, purchased the album, like you said, Joey, I, I listened to it maybe three times already, front to back, and uh, it's several tracks. It's great. Um, the, the one thing that I know a lot of fans were a little disappointed with was that there weren't a great number of themes um and and 
li having l listened to the whole track, the whole album, I guess the one main theme that sticks out to me is Ray's theme, mm -hmm. which would make sense because she's the main character. And if you listen to the recording uh, of th that track of Ray's theme from the album, and then you watch the movie, you understand how many times that comes back, okay, having seen the movie twice. Um, and then also there's a scavenger theme that um, happens in the beginning of the movie that is also that was also kind of reoccurring I think throughout the throughout the movie you have it there yeah that's it this happens most this is scavenger theme this is race, race theme. theme okay yeah I still need to see the movie again like Greg said I think after several viewings you start to understand it more but this whole this whole theme that comes back a bunch and it actually comes back again at the end quite a bit when she's walking well we'll talk about the movie but when she's walking up the steps uh, I think that track is the final track. It's actually called Jedi Steps. Isn't that, Joey? Yes, you're yeah. right. And I, unfortunately, I don't have that one available right okay. off uh, the top of my, my keypad here. But, um, yeah, I agree. Ray's theme was one of the standouts. So, Brian, what was your take on the soundtrack? Well, I agree uh, that, you know, John Williams is, is Star Wars. I mean, you, uh, the, the first time they have to make a Star Wars movie without a John Williams score, it is going to be jarring and it is going to – somebody is going to be found wanting. But we'll say that for another time. The – the thing about these movies is that they're almost operatic in their scope in terms of the, I mean, this is, this is a score for a movie, but you're talking about music from the very first scene to the very last scene, practically constantly. Uh, and it is this, this one, this, this film is, and has an absolutely amazing score. And one of the challenges uh, that he has in this film is that he's got to, weave in sort of motifs from the previous films because previous characters show up so you've got a little bit of uh you know jedi themes from things from yeah, a new and hope leia. a han and leia and you've got stuff from a new hope coming back uh and so that's a challenge you know to take to take older tunes older motifs and weave them into something that sounds a little bit more contemporary uh and a little bit more novel uh because new characters are meeting old ones and you've got to reflect that with the music uh, and he does that, you know, fantastically, as we would expect. Did you hear the Imperial March? I think it's once that they, they, they present the Imperial March. Really? It's, it's no, when they show it. Darth Vader's charred, mm. charred helmet. And when, when, uh, when he's, you could just hear a slight bit of the Imperial March at the end of that shot. And it's, it's awesome. Is that audible on the score? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, and, on the soundtrack? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. They did that a little bit with Anakin's theme in Episode One. It was kind of like a type of a flute melody, and then they did da 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 da, kind of at the end of it. Mm -hmm. So he he would he, yeah, that's he right. has foreshadowing. Weaved in. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. In that case, it was like foreshadowing his mm -hmm. you know, destiny. Well, unfortunately, I think I might be on the other end of the spectrum here. the The music was actually mm -hmm. one of the things that I was not did not think was up to par. I was a little disappointed, not so much because I agree with you guys that he used a lot of his original stuff from the original trilogy and even at times from the prequel trilogy nicely. I thought those blended, but I didn't feel there was enough new stuff that caught my attention. And just like everything, like I talked about with editing and pacing, I've only seen it once. Now, I do have the soundtrack, and I've listened to the soundtrack, but nothing has jumped out to me yet. Now, maybe listening to it a couple more times, seeing the movie again, it'll come together, and I'll be like, okay, and that'll help me also bump up the, the score a little bit. Right. Um, but, you know, it's I already feel like it's a great movie, and I loved it a lot. Seeing it over and over and over again, listening to the, to the score and the soundtrack more, maybe my tune will change. I do agree I love Ray's theme, 
Um, I like the stuff that he brought back from the old movies, just John Williams staples. But I don't know. It was I never caught myself in the theater being like, oh, wow, I need that. I need to listen to that, which I did with Across the Stars, which yeah. is incredible. And mm-hmm. Duel, of the, Duel Fates, of the Fates, which right. is just yeah, right. one of the greatest the, yeah. pieces uh, in I remember history. walking out of the theater after Phantom S singing, singing that, that, like yeah. singing that the tune to that. So like you're right. You're and right. there was no, there wasn't, there, you know, when you hear that, when you see the Imperial March, when you hear that for the first time, that is emblazoned in your mind yep. forever. And, and same with Duel of Fates. Yeah. Well, like I, like I said, I like Ray's theme, but none of it, it's that one's not stuck in my head. Yeah, I still go back to Across the Stars. You know, the main theme, uh, Imperial March. You know, all those great ones, Duel of the Fates, which no one will ever forget. Mm-hmm. And none of those have have risen to that level yet. Maybe they will, but for me right now, music was one of the things that I was like, well, I think I'd put that. I don't want to say I'd put it in a con, but I'd kind of have it in the middle space. It, it didn't add to my experience, which was, wasn't the case in the other six movies. Well, that's one I thing absolutely you could... think it made the movies so much better. That's one thing I think you could say about the prequels. People give the prequels a lot of heck, but I'll tell the you what. Music the music was phenomenal. The, the yeah, music I, might have been better than the original. Right? I, I, yeah, I would not say that I, you're incorrect. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd venture that. At least on, on definitely on par. Yeah, yeah. definitely a, yeah, equal. Okay, so... That's the last bit of kind of the, the technical stuff. Let's look at the the acting because we had a lot of uh, newcomers mixed in with um, the old uh, the old uh, trio of our heroes and mm-hmm. uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill, who are all back, as you know. I just thought the um, the casting was so amazing. Oh, I think incredible. That yeah, um, incredible. the casting was done by Nina Gold, April Webster, and Alyssa Weisberg, and they nailed it to me because I think obviously we knew what we were probably going to get from Harrison, Carrie, and Mark. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty standard, and I think they all nailed their roles perfectly. We mm-hmm. already talked a little bit of Han Solo. There isn't too much to talk about with Luke. Although <laughs> I was going to say Mark I, I, Hamill I, nailed all of his speaking. Yeah, and, and, and Hamill's what, dialogue was impeccable. Yeah. In this one. No, to be honest with you, not joking at all. Though I think that to be honest with you, that that last scene was one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. Oh, it, it definitely. There's a huge buildup, and his expression when he turns around on that mountain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when he looks at Ray and he looks at the lightsaber, it's without him even saying a word, some of the best acting he's done in any Star Wars movie. And it's great from an actor who... <laughs> Not in, to put down the other, the other no. movies, but I'm just saying. Like, right. But in recent acting, years, an actor who has been known for his voice acting. That's true. Right? Yeah, an that's actor true. who has made his trade <laughs> in voice acting can still pull it off, you know, with uh, with some good old facial expressions. So absolutely, I agree. And it, it is, you can see, you can you can read on his face the this the turmoil and the strife and the uncertainty and the hope um it's un it's just unbelievable so um the newcomers um most importantly daisy ridley as ray john boyega as finn adam driver as kylo ren uh to a lesser extent oscar isaac's kind of an interesting in between there um but to a lesser extent Donald gleason as general hux lupita nyong'o as maz kanata andy circus as supreme leader snoke Max von Sydow as Laura Santeca and Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Fathom. Those those last uh, four or five, not as much screen time. I think I think they all did well in what they were given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to hear more because I, other than Max von Sydow's character, I believe all of them are returning for eight. Right. Um, I know Gwendolyn Christie is coming back. Kathleen Kennedy has told us that. Uh, Andy Serkis, he'll be back. Lupita Nyong'o, I think, is up in the air, but I wouldn't be surprised if she's back. And well, Damo Gleason also expected back as General Hux. I think they're playing the long game with those names you just read. I really, I think, 
they they were they were promised roles in Star Wars, not in the Force Awakens. Right. They are Star Wars characters. Whereas now. Max right. was promised a role I, in the Force Awakens. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I, or Harrison think... Harrison Ford promised a role in the Force Awakens. <laughs> right. right. Like these are Star Wars characters now, and so they're playing the long game with them. And I think their payoffs going to come much later. I I even think Max von Sydow and Harrison Ford. I think there's going to be flashbacks. Oh, so for I, sure. I think yeah. they will be on screen uh, yeah, I had, at least in the next one. I, I want posted. Sorry. sorry, Brent. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, you said uh, the, the Laura Santeca, the Max von Sydow character. I want to know more about that character. Well, right. that, that's one of my big. That's <laughs> his, what I want to know more about yeah. that. His character yeah. is begging for a standalone yeah. for film. A fi- yeah. For like, a film, right? There is right. so much there, which brings me to Star Wars Rebels. Is he gonna be a character in Rebels? Mm, like in Rebels. it seems like a perfect place because it was what thirty years ago or mm-hmm. even longer actually because this is before New Hope. New Hope yeah. So you know this is thirty after the Return of the Jedi. Now we're back in a New Hope. So um, and he for, would... what forty years about? Yep. I don't know right. exact timeline escapes me right now. But Max Mancito's character could be someone that helped build up the 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 uh, Republic or not the Republic the, the, the Rebel Alliance. He could make an appearance. This is all just me spitballing, and because mm-hmm. you know we have to know more about him. Like, why did he have part of the map? Right. Why right. Why did he have yeah. part of the map? Right. Like, exactly. Well, they're so, making a spin-off film about that uh, now, in a, in a sense, about them and with Rogue One. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. It's almost the same premise. Could he be in Rogue plans? One? His right. character now, not, probably not Max Van, Max Van Sid, right. Sidow, but, but Laura Santeca. Could that character be mm-hmm. in Rogue One? Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting one. That's the one that I wanted to point out of all of these because Andy Serkis we were told we're not going to see too much from Snoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I was disappointed in the use of Maz Kanata and Captain Phasma. I liked her as a character, though. I, I yeah. her. Oh, this yeah. is not anything okay. about the acting or the, the character. Screen time. It was right. the, the screen time, right. exactly. I was heartbroken at how little Captain Phasma was in it. I, I, I assumed he would be. She well, was, that was the person that I was so looking forward to. And, and, she and had someone, I believe zilch. it was yeah. uh, Ben Hart from Star Wars Underworld today, said... The scene outside of Maz's castle after it's destroyed, and Finn has the lightsaber, and that stormtrooper yells "traitor," and they fight. Mm-hmm. Should have been that. Should have been yeah, Phasma. Been right, Phasma. Right, now right. maybe they didn't need to kill her there, right. but he should have like attacked her, and they should have been battling. Should've, right, she that should have been some, Phasma. But she's barely in it, and right, I was so right, disappointed. Right. But same thing with Maz, and um, the character itself, I'm not disappointed in. I didn't think it translated well. The, the CG wasn't there for me. It kind of took me out of the element. Somebody when described I, that to me as the most episode one-ish of, yeah, the, of the... You're right, yeah. you're right. And because I, I sat there and I was like, okay, this is kind of taking me out of it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I liked Lupita, the way she delivered the lines. Oh, I yeah. liked the, the idea of the character. The way it was created bothered me, and the lack of screen time bothered me. So that was mm-hmm. another one of the missteps, I thought, in my opinion, that, that The Force Awakens has. Um, but <laughs> what about anyone else? Have anyone anything else to say about Hux, Maz, Snoke... Uh, Laura Santeca or Captain Phasma. I'm gonna save it for when we do plot breakdown. Okay, everyone good? Uh, yeah, we, we can move on to the yeah. movie. All right, then let's go look at the, the new ones. Um, I, I honestly, I wouldn't even be able to rate them as in who was my least favorite because there's my all-time favorite, and then the other three are right there behind. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it behind her. Yeah. Because Daisy Ridley to me killed it in this uh, yeah, movie yeah absolutely oh my God. she was phenomenal yeah well yeah. Here, here's the thing you guys were talking before about this the the script and how like you know it, it a lot of a lot of star wars movies in the past have been criticized for being like the acting being wooden and and for the for the dialogue being kind of kind of stinted and so forth here's a here's here's my here's my opinion about this the uh 
the act, the, the script was a Star Wars script. It, t- it sounded like a Star Wars script. Mm-hmm. The actors in this movie took that to the, another level, though. I think they 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 kind of um, refreshed Star Wars in a way because it was like the classic Star Wars dialogue with incredible acting. And you know, no offense to Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher in the past, but um, and and Harrison Ford at in his youth, but uh, we may have not seen them in their prime, you know, in those movies. And so I think we had classic dialogue now with really really solid performances that we maybe hadn't seen right off the bat from Star Wars movies before. The the incredible thing to me, and this just makes the performance even better, is that this is Daisy Ridley's first real thing. Mm-hmm. She's done minor stuff on TV and maybe some very minor stuff in film, but this is like her first significant acting experience that has translated ever, and that's what she delivered. Total Star Wars yeah. move, though. Total Star <laughs> oh, Wars casting move. I mean, the, the, the folks who cast it, as you, you mentioned earlier, totally hope, nailed it. I hope that she doesn't have the like instant fame uh, issues, though, because... Yeah. Well, we've uh, seen that multiple times with mm-hmm. many people over the years. Yeah, well, they're she gonna, seems but, very grounded, and yeah. we maybe you could say, well, we say that about all of them that it started yeah. out this way. I hope, I hope she stays the way she is now because she's so cute and precious about this, this uh, reactions that the film is getting, mm-hmm. um, this instant stardom. She seems to be handling it well. Same thing with John Boyega, though. Like, he oh yeah, is, I've seen him in interview after interview and after interview. I could watch interviews of him all day because he's just so awesome. Like, he's he a comes sweet, he's a sweet me, dude as just a, a fan yeah. who is just like living it up. Yes. Yeah. So Daisy yeah. didn't know quite how to handle it, but John is just like, this is the greatest out, thing out in the there world. His Marvin, reactions right. to seeing the posters and seeing hey. the trailers, it was just incredible. He Have went you, He I, went to, like, I uh, saw a couple movies of him going to like the theater. Yeah, I was just going to mention the same thing, yeah. But yeah, I, he like surprised people at the theater, just yeah. shows as, up. As yeah. far as those four new actors, I I think they, they extremely exceeded my expectations for... Mm-hmm. people I never heard of or knew who they were. So, other than reading, they're going to be in the new Star Wars. Yeah, for a limited amount that Oscar Isaac was in, which was more than probably the other five that we already talked about, I thought he did quite well. I was, think he was interesting. Uh, I think he was cocky when he needed to be, but I think he was also endearing. And uh, he his moves, and I know this is the character, not the actor, but what he does in the Battle of Takodana when he attacks all the the uh, ties and the troopers in like 45 seconds of screen time he kills like 15 people yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what finn's like that's a hell of a pilot yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just it, it's just great so the the poe dameron character is very very cool mm-hmm. uh the last one before we actually get to the film adam driver was one that was a little divisive when first announced because people were like adam driver's gonna be the villain in star wars he's on that show girls and he oh. does weird stuff on that show and <laughs> he's been in other stuff that people are just like they weren't seeing it mm-hmm. and i had my reservations too because i've seen part of girls and i was like oh, this guy's gonna be the villain in star wars all right we'll see what happens mm-hmm. um all questions answered because adam driver i thought was great as as kylo ren yeah, my second fa- my second favorite actor in this movie uh, behind ray uh behind uh daisy was him I just thought those two, I can't wait to see the other movies where those two are are at the forefront. I feel like he's one of those that is incredible at engrossing himself as the character. Like, I feel like in between takes, he'd still be acting as Kylo Ren. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he would, until they're like, you're done for the day, I think he'd finally flip a switch then. Totally method. He's a method actor. I think he, that's just the way he came off to me because the way he could show that instability that they needed to to get that across in this movie that mm-hmm. he's an incredibly powerful uh, 
dark, uh, I don't want to call him Dark, dark Jedi, force, but Dark, dark force, force User. Force user but yeah. he's unstable, and that comes across in the lightsaber design. It comes across throughout the movie, which we're going to talk about here in just a few seconds. And I thought I, at the way Adam portrayed Kylo Ren, uh, mm-hmm. I thought I thought was great and up to par with everyone out, mm-hmm. everyone else. And I forgot forgot to mention him because there's not actually a person doing it. But the inclusion of BB-8. Oh yeah, I mean, was another home run. Right, yeah, that right. was they hit that out of the park because it could have came off as being as being annoying or too right. cute. Jar Jar and droid stuff form. about yeah, right. the prequels that they <laughs> happened too many times. Mm-hmm. Well, but wow, he was R two D two. He was R two D two. He was R two D two. But he was cute and adorable, but right. wasn't overshadowing and wasn't annoying. And key to the plot. Yes, at key all to times. the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like I was taken by Ray and BB-8 through like, the whole movie, and that's like I said, I are, I love Kylo Ren, Poe Dameron, and Finn, but the entire movie I was like Ray and BB-8 are, are incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to keep watching that those two on the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well let's get into it. All right, are we ready? Yeah, here film. we go. All right, so our film breakdown. Let's, let's start with the crawl. Brian, why don't you give this a read? Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. The ally, of course, being uh, Laura Santaga. Santaga. Yep. Yeah. So, what was everyone's uh, interpretations or reaction to the crawl? Uh, pretty standard. Pretty standard. You know, I it uh, I love that the Luke Skywalker has vanished. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that first sentence. As a first yeah. line, because it it mirrors for me like it is a period of civil war, right? Yeah. Like the first sentence of a Star yeah. Wars crawl tells has gotta you be, what it is. Th- yeah. What's what what's going down? You know, what's happening? Right? right. And the question on everybody's mind is, what happened to everybody? in the intervening in the 30, 30 years, years. Yeah. and this tells you everything about that nothing about new characters nothing about it doesn't have to none of them have been introduced yet the audience doesn't know who they are i, I know this is in kind of an insignificant tidbit but someone pointed out that this is the first odd number film in which part of the crawl had had words capitalized all yeah, the I was other wondering capitalizations about are done in even numbered films oh. attack of the clones uh, a new hope and return of the jedi it's weird. It said that, that it was just an odd thing that they pointed out. I think that's a coincidence. Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely yeah. think it's a coincidence. Nothing is funny. a coincidence in Star Wars. There's probably <laughs> part of the, a reason. Part of the ring theory or whatever they yeah, have. Yeah. The Star Wars the ring circular theory. theory or yeah, everything yeah. comes back around. Right. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't mind. the. I know some people were like, it didn't tell us enough or told yeah. us too much. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I, I think it fits perfectly. And I do love the first line, Luke Skywalker has vanished. Yep. I, I did think it was a tiny bit short. But as we talked about uh, Laura Santeca earlier, if they're referring to him where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts, uh, th- there definitely needs to be more backstory in his right. character. Agreed. He, he, he's he's an unknown ally. He's included in the crawl. There's a graphic novel coming. There's a book coming. There's a... Mm. It mentioned a TV right. show could be in Rogue. Something right. is happening with Lord Santeca. It has to. He, he would be. He would be a great. He would be a great subject for uh, for a Marvel comic. I think. I yeah. think that the Lord Santeca story would be. Uh, a great Marvel comic miniseries. All right, so as the crawler alluded to, we end up on Jakku, the new Tatooine, essentially. It's a desert planet um, in the village of Tuanal, 
And we're going to meet Laura Santeca, played by Max von Sydow. And the first line of the film, I think, is, this will begin to make things right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is the first word we hear spoken, yeah. said by Laura Santeca to Poe, who is there to claim part of a star chart to finish the map that is fully housed in R2-D2, we find right. out, so that they can find where lead, Luke Skywalker to is. To lead everybody to Luke, right. What was everyone's reaction to that first interaction, the, the first dialogue we hear from Morrison Tekken to Poe? I um, really needed to pay attention more the second time, and I, that was one of the things I made uh, a point to do because I wanted to hear all the things he was saying because I loved how he was referencing and speaking about uh, Leia during this whole inner this whole exchange because remember at one point Poe was like uh, you know the general the general will like you know appreciate this you know I really appreciate this and he goes oh she's always going to be a princess to me or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that was awesome because here he is an old guy character who's seen it all and all of a sudden you're like right back in it this is the sequel to episode 6 and it's right there you know and here's somebody that's just kind of picking up where it left off and I thought that that, that whole dialogue back and forth was perfect mm-hmm very quickly we find out that the First Order knows that Poe is there, or at least that the star chart, the part to find Luke Skywalker is there, and they land at the village. They unleash their stormtroopers and flametroopers, and Kylo Ren shows up, and they pretty much just destroy everything in their path. Right. They... Brutal. It's brutal. Oh, I mean, it's uh, never seen stormtroopers doing that. I was just going to say that it was unlike anything we saw stormtroopers do in the first film, or even the clone troopers do in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Now, if you read any of the EU books, Legends, or Silver Clone Wars, there's a little bit more to it there. Mm-hmm. But in turn, on the big screen in any of the seven movies, you never saw anything like this happen. It's a PG-13 Star Wars. It's alluded to in A New Hope with the yeah. slaughter of the Jawas, yeah. and then yes, and it happens off screen. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, happens, it happens, all happens off screen. This is the right. first time you see this happen. Right, and now the the egregious actions are done by Kylo when in cold blood he just completely just, massacres Max yeah. Mancito right. with the lightsaber strikes him down mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. but then he orders the stormtroopers and flame troopers to slaughter the entire village right. and just, if you remember it's this yeah. scene where you start to find out a little bit about background of Kylo Ren because Lord Santeca says you cannot hide from your family right. you cannot change who and you are right away they engage you all right, who is, who is this guy? guy? Who is, it? Who yeah, is, who is this it? guy? Right. My favorite... Well, let me finish the, the scene first. Um, Poe can't leave on his X-Wing because it's... It's... It's, um, it's incapacitated yeah. basically immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives the star chart to BB-8 who rolls off into the desert. Um, uh, Poe tries to hold off the stormtroopers. He actually kills um, what turns out to be Finn's friend. Uh, he is then captured... Um, and one of the most incredible parts in the entire movie, which happens in the first, what, five minutes, is when Poe fires at Kylo and he freezes the laser, laser blast beam, yeah, in beam. midair. So this never is ridiculous. We've never, never, never seen, seen that any, happen right, before. Never, so I don't know if, you know, this guy's, like, all the other Sith or Dark Force users have been holding out all these years. <laughs> or is this or a like, new he's trait? the most powerful Dark Force user I've ever seen. He leveled up past 50. But Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, he got the expansion and totally shot through. But I don't... <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, I do. I mean, they just didn't think of that in previous movies. But like, this is a display of power from a dark, of dark force user that we have never. Yeah, because you see, Darth, Darth Vader, Vader. Darth Vader stopped him in Empire. Exactly. With, yeah, he stops him, but doesn't it, stop him it, from hitting. Right, right. He, absorbs him he absorbs it. Right, yeah. he absorbs it. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, but and it's interesting you mention this. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think there's at least two other instances that he does something that we've never seen done. Reading before. the mind. 
reading the mind. mind. Yeah, oh, that's we'll get true. to that. Yeah. Yep. And yep. also freezing someone but not killing him. We've seen the force choke, but he freezes Ray. Right. And she just can't move. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he right. he just makes her go unconscious. Right, yeah. right, like, right. Knocks her out. That, he yeah. does that, that just that like you've new, never seen before. New uses for the force that so I've never I seen. I thought that was absolutely incredible. Right. Um. So, Kylo kills Lord Senteca. He takes Poe hostage. Uh, after Poe killed Finn's friend. Now Finn, to us at this time, ends up being FN twenty one eighty seven. Twenty one eighty seven. A nod to the cell block that Princess Leia was held in in A New Hope, and it's also one of the artsy films that George Lucas. Uh, uses as one of the masterpieces, inspirations, inspirations uh, okay. for his films. It was called 2187. It's one of those dystopian type mm. um, films that are out there. Um, because he sees his friend dying, or Finn, excuse me, decides not to help slaughter the villagers, which brings up an issue with Captain right. Phasma, who, uh, who costs him uh, when they return to base to hand over his mm. blaster to be checked out. Right. Um, right. And this is where we see Kylo Ren doing something that we have seen other Force users before. He senses uh, instability and uncertainty in with Finn. Finn. Yes. Right, which, you know, the Emperor does with Luke, uh, you know, when you can feel your hate. As a Force user, you can feel people's sort of affective or emotional states. You can, like, sort of intuit them, but not not straight up reading minds, right? And I don't think he's reading his mind here. He's just feeling that he's this feeling... person is supremely conflicted. Yes, Anyone have anything to add about the Jakku scene before we move on? No. All right, so the next scene, we're on the finalizer, which is the First Order Star Destroyer that we see. Kylo interrogates Poe. We see him trying to read his mind, trying to extract information, and then just torturing him with the Force. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very strong scene. We've seen it in, I believe it was the main trailer, the final trailer Mm -hmm. for the film, not counting Mm -hmm. the TV spots. Um, Then... Does anyone have anything to add about that this, interrogation this, scene? This part reminds me a lot of the interrogation scene, uh, especially the chair in Empire Strikes Empire Back. Strikes Back yes. So that's, yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, that's like Empire. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So they kind of pulled that from that, and, and you can see it again, obviously, later in the film with Rey. Mm-hmm. After that stuff that happens with Finn and Captain Phasma that I mentioned already, uh, Finn decides he's had enough, and he's going to get Poe out because he's his ticket off. He he tries to make it seem like he's being a good bu- guy, but he needs a pilot. He needs a pilot, yeah. uh, So he goes goes and gets Poe. He escorts him to a TIE fighter. Uh, they eventually are able to escape. After some, yeah, Can, can I say something some... here? Because you talked about pacing before. Yeah. I thought, to me, I talked to Brian about this after seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, and it was a little better, like I said the second time, this moved a little quick for me. It seemed like Poe... Um, uh, trusted Finn almost too easily yeah. for me. It moved right. very quickly. And to me, I was like, well, you know, shouldn't there be a little bit more apprehension here? A little here? skepticism. Yeah, there. because yeah. because there are Poe's, and I guess, no, you know, Poe wants to get off that, that Star Destroyer more than anybody, obviously. Right. But uh, for him to trust a... Um, just a random Stormtrooper... Yeah. I see you know? where you're coming that, from, That may but... have been one of the editing room... Could, could have been uh, yeah, an, an extra scene in there, and they're like, right. "Ah, we gotta speed this up here." Yeah. I just think if someone's telling you, "I'm gonna help you get out of there," why would you not believe him? Like mm-hmm. he obviously withstood Kylo. Kylo left him there. He's not gonna just send mm-hmm. one stormtrooper to come and take care of him. Right. Um, I don't know, but I agree that that scene definitely mm-hmm. went really fast. Well, I, I've been watching. Just to interject really quickly here, the, the the one thing I've been watching a lot of interviews with Larry Kasdan and also J.J. Abrams, and one thing that Larry Kasdan was has had to say to J.J. Abrams continuously throughout the process of this movie was was you have to trust your audience more. 
So apparently, apparently he like JJ kept wanting to explain things, you know, and, and add more things. Larry and Larry kept no. saying, "No, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. If the audience is, you have to trust that your audience is smart enough to to expect that this is going to happen." Mm-hmm. I think so. JJ shouldn't have trusted us as much. <laughs> well, <laughs> we get another yeah. ten we, minutes. We yeah. obviously know there's a lot of deleted scenes because because where's that uh, figurine that we have? What's his name? Constable Zubio. Constable Zubio. Where's Constable Zubio? Yeah, his yeah. film yeah. is actually in the next scene we're going to talk about. So okay. they escape from the finalizer in a stolen Tie Fighter, which is eventually struck by a missile the tie falls to jakku which we saw in the trailers and mm-hmm. uh, that's the end of that we cut to ray we finally yes. get to meet ray um they kind of have no dialogue no no words you see her scavenging which we saw in the trailer and i was like yes cor- correctly predicted it from the trailer really really cool scenes um she finally ends up back in her village has interactions with uncle plot uh, trying to get rations and stuff. You see her trading in the stuff that she scavenged to get food or water. So you see her mix some up in a roll make pop some up, bread. which that is was, really cool. That was sick. Yeah, that um, was awesome. Finally, after all of this ex- exposition, you hear her. You see her at her home mm-hmm. in an old ATAT, sitting mm-hmm. at the foot, holding some kind of action figure. It wasn't Min in box. Yeah. <laughs> and also with a rebellion fighter, fighter helmet, helmet, which was awesome. Which yeah. was cool. Well, you see, and, the figurine was like a like a like a X-wing pilot too, something like right, dressed yes. like an X-wing pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, she the hears BB-8. Jump. Yep. And she goes and frees BB-8 from another one of the scavengers. She basically says, "Here you go, you're free. Get out of here." Right. Is essentially what she says. Um, and finally, BB-8 latches onto her, um, kind of like an animal, like a cat or a dog would, you know, mm-hmm. a domesticated cat or dog, and follows her around. Um, she decides not to sell him for 60 rations, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but for what she had gotten in the earlier exposition, we see they gave her, what was it, like half, half a ration yeah. or something? Mm, yeah, half a right. So right. for them to offer they 60 that portions. Yeah, portions. One, portion, like one yeah. quarter portion. Well, one quarter yeah. portion. They offered, Unger Plut offers her 60 for BB-8, mm-hmm. and she says no. Right, because BB-8 is unique, right? We get that, I mean, BB-8, that the character, I mean, especially Oppose, says, like, there's no other droid like he's, he's, he's special, so... Do you think so, or do you think there's some sort of connection with him knowing about the the First Order? Because, remember, he says, yeah. don't I let that... I think it's that, both. It's both? Yeah. I think it's both. I think, he knows that he can get money for it. Right, he I think he, at worst he can get a lot for it, and if the First Order wants it, he can get definitely get a lot. Although, I think mm. if that would happen, they'd just kill him and take it anyway. Yeah. Right. Um... I forget though. How does the first order eventually know that the, right after that scene the droid is there? I forget because they, they right after that right after that scene they attack Jakku to get they, BB-8. No, because they know that Poe left and crash landed. And crash landed on Jakku. That's right. He's going back to the so droid. So they know where to go. That's where they know where to go. Right. Okay. All right, so we cut away from Ray BB-8 and we see that Finn survived the crash, but you think Poe is dead because he can't find him. He can't find the, the body. tie. All that's left is his jacket, which you saw him take off in the scene where they're bonding together, and and Poe gives Finn his name after saying, "What's your name? FN twenty one eighty seven. You're a number. No, I'm going to call you Finn." Call you He's Finn. like, "Okay." Um, so. Finn survives, takes the jacket off of the wreckage. The wreckage sinks into the sand, and this is the part where he thought a Sarlacc was going to come up. Mm. Didn't happen. It was just sand, which Ray alludes to when talking to BB-8, saying, stay out of this, you'll you'll, you'll sink, essentially. Right, right, that's Um, earlier. So we think Poe's dead. Finn survives. He heads to Nima Outpost, which is where Ray is a scavenger at. Um, After wandering the desert, he desperately needs water. He goes there, he starts drinking out of a pool that the Hapabor is drinking out of. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, then he's, he thinks he hears Ray needing help as uh, other scavengers are attacking her to get BB-8. He starts to go over to help and then she's, she's fine. He's a, yeah. She starts kicking ass. That's pretty much the theme of the whole movie. Like, Ray is fine. Yeah, you, you don't know? need to help her. She kind of says that after yeah. he finally meets her. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kinda, it, she's kind of like, what are you doing? Leave me alone. Says, like, right, I'm exactly. good. Yep. There was a lot of uh, feminism undertones there. Yeah, which don't, was don't awesome. Need, okay. Don't need the man's help. To... That's right. That's right. Totally. Well, especially when she keeps saying, I don't need, don't give me your hand. Don't again. stop. Yeah. This, stop yeah. taking oh, my, my hand. Right. My hand. And then right. later on, Finn's on the ground and she puts her hand, reaches her hand out and lifts him right. off the ground. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. see a lot of role reversal as you, you know. Yeah, so you see them trying to get away from the thugs and stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, BB-8 notices that it's Poe's jacket he's wearing. And Ray comes over and accosts him as being mm. a, 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 a stealer, thief, a thief. thief yeah. mm. And, um then they have this whole dialogue and then all of a sudden the first order shows up and that mm -hmm. starts their uh, attempt at escaping from them it's real great the scene from the trailer that we've seen them running towards some big big ship they're saying we need to take that ship we don't have a pilot i am a pilot you know mm -hmm. and finn's like why don't we take that one it's closer no that's a hunk of junk we're gonna right. go get that one well that one blows, blows up, up. <laughs> so they're turning she's like well this one will be fine and they pan and there it is yeah. yep yeah. The introduction yes. of the Millennium the one, Falcon. One of the characters Falcon. you did not list at the beginning of this. Right, but I also didn't oh, yeah. list the BB-8. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the J.D. Abrams and, and plenty of the producers, cast, the writers have said the Millennium Falcon is as much as a character as Han Solo. For sure. That's why I said that, yeah. So um, you, you get to see it, and I just love how it's like underneath these tarps, and mm -hmm. you know that it's just been sitting there. Uh, but sand caked all over it. But Ray and Finn and BB fires right up though. Get yeah. on it. They eventually get it started, and then you see him lift off the ground and just smack yeah. back into the ground, and yeah. they start hitting all this stuff. Yeah, I love that part. Of uh, it. it was great. So they escape on the the Millennium Falcon. By the way, the CG for the Falcon mm. like was seamless, yep. so yeah, seamless really, really, in regards really good. as opposed to like the the practical Models, model yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Now, the escape of the Millennium Falcon was the IMAX shots where you have that being chased by the TIE fighters. It was interesting when they destroy one of the TIEs and it falls. There's already scavengers going over to take up the parts and go and sell them. Um, that, that was interesting to see that happen right away. Uh, the Millennium Falcon, Ray pilots it through the downed uh, Star Destroyer, right. uh, eventually escaping. They go into outer space and they get out there. They notice that something's wrong with the Falcon. They need to fix it. Um, and while I don't want to spend too much time on it, one of my favorite parts from the entire movie is when Rey is fixing it, kind of like Han was in Empire Strikes Back, I think, when they're approaching the asteroid right. field. Right, right, right. Um, she's down there trying to fix it. Fixing and, it while the thing is in flight. Right. You know, like, what? <laughs> and, and Finn is talking to BBA, trying to convince him to, don't worry, I'm lying, but it's okay. Right. I just need to get to the Resistance base. Tell me where mm -hmm. it is so she can take us there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he finally convinces BB-8, and he says thank you, and BB-8 gives him the, the thumbs, thumbs up, up with the lighter. Yeah. I was That's... just dying when that happened. Yeah. In the the theater. people in the theater loved that, that, that part. Yeah. That was hilarious. But mm -hmm. uh, it was one of that was one of the scenes of many that the that Abrams just showed that BB-8 is as much as a character as anyone he has emotions when mm -hmm. finn tells him he's not actually with the resistance he's taken aback he rolls right. back he and looks at him like are you kidding mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. and then to go through the whole thing of how he's not going to tell him and then he does and he says thank you with the thumbs up i just well, thought so, it gives yeah. him so much um, emotion and character for something that well i know it's actually there because they actually built him but mm -hmm. you know isn't a, isn't an actual human being right it's just a droid well i think it's a good time to talk about too how much humor was in this movie and not like slapstick humor like we saw with jar jar mm. you know 
um, God rest his soul. But uh, not that you know, we saw a lot of that 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 slapstick humor with Jar Jar. We do, we saw humor in this movie, but it definitely was not slapsticky, which I think a lot of Star Wars fans will appreciate right. for the movie. And he did a really good job of doing that. J.J. Abrams did in the Star Trek movies too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but William Shatner was also really funny, and I think that he tried to have Chris Pine mimic him and he really ended up sounding like him too but he, he definitely got added his own humorous touch but also kind of reflecting the original movies mm-hmm. too while ray and to a lesser extent finn and bb-8 are trying to fix the falcon they are captured which they think is by the first order but it ends up not being the first order they have taken aboard a freighter known as the arabana and who ends up being the owners of the arabana mm-hmm. none other than Our han solo and chewbacca the entrance is awesome. Yeah, yes. it is. The entrance of all the, the legacy yeah, characters yeah. in this movie they, is absolutely epic. Yep. The way they did the Millennium Falcon, Han Solo and Chewbacca, they were like this, like the same type of like, you're like, you're not expecting it, and then mm-hmm. there it is. Mm-hmm. Same with C C three PO later. Oh, Sorry, I'm oh getting ahead gosh. of myself. <laughs> yep. Classic C three PO. Chewie, we're home. Yeah. Yep. We saw it in the trailer. It wasn't a surprise, but you get to see it in the entire theater erupted. You get to see Han Solo and Chewbacca back on the Falcon, which we don't know how long they haven't had it. We know it's traded a few hands because they run through that thing. They're like, well, he stole it from me, and he stole it from them, and, and it ended right, up with right. a plot, and uh, he's like, oh, he stole it from this, you know, they go through this Give whole thing. Give you the thing. sort of lineage of it, yeah. By right. the way, you somebody know, had it in what, episode two, where you see it land on, is that on Naboo there somewhere? Yeah, nope. I think it is. Yeah, when they're yeah. when they're at the, well, the that, palace and you see I it land. I feel as though that would have been Lando at that time, but we yeah, see that's something we could find out in the the Han anthology story. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. you know, are we going to see him get the Falcon? Does he already have the Falcon? That's something that we. That's one of the stories that could be told is right. getting it from Lando. Um, but yeah, so they they back they're going to take the Falcon back, and then all of a sudden, while they're hashing out their differences, uh, Han Chewie. Ray, BB-8, and Finn, they're boarded by two different gangs, the Guavian Death Gang and the Kanji Club, that both are trying to settle deaths with Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of humorous exchanges here with these with these groups, uh, but to keep the story moving along, we, finally, Ray accidentally releases his cargo, and his cargo just happens to be creatures known as Rathtars, which are kind of a mixture of Sarlaccs and something you'd see in the Clone Wars animated series. Right. They were very prequel to me. Yes. They stood mm-hmm. out kind of like Maz did. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they screamed prequel area era type, uh, which not necessarily a bad thing. No, just this is uh, the movie, this is the scene I was alluding to earlier when I said I this could have been cut for me and I would have been I would have been fine. But the the part of it I did like is the competing pirate gangs find solo at the same time and you see that in the 30 years since the previous film he's still doing his thing you know Mm -hmm. he's still double crossing people and he's still (laughs) making shady deals and he's still you know robbing peter to pay paul like he's still doing all this stuff it's so funny because i watched like i said i watched episode four last night and that scene with uh jabba that you see it, it almost makes after seeing episode seven it almost makes that scene more special because mm-hmm. you see, you see him in yeah. the past. You see him in the future, and it's the same character. Mm-hmm. And it makes both movies. I think Episode Seven and Episode Four scenes like that. I think that that scene that was added back in for the special edition yeah. makes it even more makes makes even more sense now. Right. Because you see that he was that guy in Episode Four. You see mm-hmm. that guy in Episode Seven. Mm-hmm. Well, our five heroes survive, and they 
head out on the Falcon, leave the Aravana behind with the Raftars and what's ever left of the two gangs. Although the, the last thing we see from that is a member of, I believe, the Kanji Club contact the First Order and say that uh, the BB-8 is with, is with Han them. Solo on the Millennium Falcon. Now we get to meet Supreme Leader Snoke. And his first scene, he drops a bomb on us. Mm -hmm. He's talking to Kylo Ren, and he tells us that Han Solo is Kylo Ren's father. Mm -hmm. What was everyone's opinion on that? Now, we knew something was going to happen because of what Brent mentioned with Laura mm -hmm. Santeca in the very first scene when uh, he talks about family mm -hmm. to Kylo. So we know that there's a big one coming. Mm -hmm. And about uh, closing in on the halfway mark, Supreme Leader Snoke tells us Han Solo is Kylo Ren. Right. Yeah, and this, I mean, there are a lot of holdouts, my wife included, that Kylo Ren was Luke Skywalker, right? So oh, that no this, way. Yeah. This I did was not a, buy this, that. This was a, a lead-up rumor, and she was one of the holdouts that thought, and, and up until this point, you can maintain that theory, right? That, he's, that he right, is. Right, you could. So, but this is where it sort of all goes to hell, and that, you know, that, that whole fan theory about Kylo Ren being Luke Skywalker, turned to the dark side, is, is you know, did he take off his helmet at that point? No, yet? he doesn't. He take doesn't it off take until it off. He interrogates okay. Ray. Not until he interrogates even, Ray. Even when he said that, even even when he said that, I still had a little bit of apprehension. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh, when he's taking his helmet off, who's it going to be? And then it was right. Then it was him. So. It was him. Yeah, see, yeah, I, I still had that in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. I wasn't concerned at all about. No, I wasn't either, and that probably is because Brent and I listened to the spoiler podcast. Well, and they uh, showed pictures of, of Kylo Ren with his with, with his mask they off. They showed, yeah, oh, before the movie came out. Shows Adam Driver. <laughs> so, like, People thought worried. it was a long con, I guess, uh, but right. it was not. <laughs> I know Brent and I. The Star Wars Underworld covers it, uh, and making StarWars.net. Now this is podcasting. Basically, originates a ton of those spoilers. They mm -hmm. get it from the inside. And um, that was one that they kept laughing at, that people kept insisting that Luke was Kylo Ren, and they were like, it's not. It's stop. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but people that don't listen to that know, don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, but even in the preview, I will finish what you started. It could totally, could totally be it. Yeah. Right, right, right. There's, a, there's a chance. There's a chance. And she leaned over to me in the middle. She's like, that's totally Luke, right? That's totally Luke. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. All right. So the, the heroes are aboard the Falcon. They're going to Taco Donna. And uh, this is where we're going to get some backstory told by Han, primarily about what Luke's, Luke was doing uh, with the Jedi uh, when Kylo Ren uh, betrayed everyone, killed everyone, mm -hmm. sending Luke um, into uh, seclusion. You know, he secluded himself somewhere that they're trying to find him. And uh, that's when you get the line, it's true, all of it, yeah. the Jedi, the dark, the dark side, every, all that stuff from the trailer that we saw is told there as they're looking at the star chart. Um, really cool cinematography and setup in the writing where Han's standing essentially in the same area on the ship where he's talking about hokey religions in A New Hope. Yeah, you know, yeah, dismissing all same, of it. Same exact spot. And uh, right. now he's telling him, yes, it's all true. Well, he even yeah. says that in the movie. He says, like, you know, at one point I thought, you know, it was right. all a bunch of gobbledygook and now here I am. You know, I can tell you it's it's not. And then the chess table clicks back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. see the degenerate table. And apparently it's exactly where it left off. Oh, well, did you watch the thing? Right? What as actually happening is the creature that gets injured or killed in A New Hope is getting its revenge on the character that did the nice. killing in A New Hope. Did you see, nice. the, did you see nice. the background, the story about that? I the, have the not video? Read it, no. There's a video is of a them. Video? Oh, on the making of how they did it. Yes. Yes. Incredible. Like, they brought the original guys back to do this, to do the same scene, and the video of them doing it is absolutely awesome. You also so, see... Cool. Finn find the training ball. Yep, yep. And um, during, the, the cool thing was, this is the beginning of this trip before he talks about, yes, it's all true, all of it. When Finn and 
um, Ray find out that he's Han Solo, Ray's reaction is, is it smuggle the smuggler? Because she's a scavenger, she associates right. Han Solo as a smuggler. But Finn is the war hero. Mm. You know, it's interesting that what the mm-hmm. two different, you know, what's the propaganda with Han Solo because right. of what his relationship with the rebels that mm-hmm. led to the, the mm-hmm. destruction mm-hmm. of the Empire. And because I'm, I'm sure that Hux and Snoke, even though they're not technically the Empire, they're a spinoff. There's some remnants of there, I'm sure. What have they been telling these troopers, which it, it's interesting. It's almost like a reverse Jedi Order because we saw mm-hmm. the Jedi Order take kids at a young age and train them. That's essentially what they say is happening with the first order they're taking kids and raising them like basically as soon as they're born they're they're taking them and taking raising the kids, them there's right. no names they're numbers right. and you even hear kylo ren say as a nod to the prequels maybe we should have used clones mm-hmm. when when mm-hmm. finn deserts right right i don't remember that at all yeah he says he yeah. says maybe we should have used the clone really? army or, or something to that oh, effect wow yeah i didn't i have to well, right i'm gonna go see the movie right for a third time right at the beginning right, right when they figure out it's finn yeah. yeah. fn 2187 but, but they got they gotta they gotta do two things one show that time has passed a lot of time has yeah. passed since the prequels and the clone army is only it's finite you only they only made so many clones uh so that's finite and they also have to show um the fact that this thing called the first order still has some power it's still, I mean, it, it has the power to take, you know, newborn kids from their families. It has its icy grip on a certain number of systems still. You, you need to have power to be able to do that. Um, so I think that that's important for those two reasons. All right, so the, the heroes land on Takodana. They go into the pirate castle. They meet Maz Kanata. We get that whole thing about the eyes. Finn mm-hmm. tries to leave. He wants no part of this. Right. Um, he finally gives his revelation that he's not part of the resistance. He just wants to get as far away from the First Order as possible. And that's where they leave that scene. Anything about the introduction of Maz that anyone wants to say right here? We're going to do more about Maz when we get to the vision. But the introduction of Maz. Yeah. I'll save mine for when we talk to the vision. Did you see? It, did you see uh, recently? Uh, J. J. Abrams uh, re- released who it, the character's based on. Maz Kanata. Yeah. No. They're, like one of his former teachers that taught. To, uh-huh. Like she was like oh, nice. nice. Yeah. There's like a whole video about her. I guess she was awarded some sort of award in 2009. But she taught like when she was. And you watch videos of this teacher, and she's like basically Maz Kanata. She's got these big. That's awesome. These that cool. bottle glasses on. It's like wow. Yeah. That That's almost cool. like yeah. So it's really really cool. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really neat. But I, I like the character of Moscanato a lot. There is actually a deleted scene that I hope is ends up being on the blue right here, where um, there's an interaction with uh, actually it's Uncar Plot who comes back to uh, attack Ray for taking the Falcon, and uh, Chewbacca rips his arm out. Really? That's a deleted. That that was filmed. I had I never I had never heard anything about that. Yeah, that that was cut. <laughs> Uh, probably to keep a PG-13. Yeah, probably. I mean, ripping it's, it's arms just off. back to A New Hope when right. you talk about let, letting, the Wookiee win. letting the Wookiee win. They right. actually <laughs> see him rip Unkar's arm out of his socket when he comes back to attack Ray for taking the foul. Oh, okay. Out of the socket. I thought you meant off, like just tear his arm off. Well, out of the socket. Oh, no. right. I, I assume it's separated. Yeah. I would no, think. No, no. <laughs> I, mean, I thought you meant like dislocated, like severed. Pulled it body. off yeah. like, you know, total Han Solo in the cantina <laughs> style. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that would have happened there. But Finn tries to leave to the Outer Rim. Then we get to the scene finally that was hyped up so much since April. We see Kylo Ren talking with the remains of the Darth Vader helmet. Mm-hmm. And he is there trying to seek guidance from his late grandfather. And the interesting part here is not... He, he's saying, I, I want to finish what you started, but also mm-hmm. that he feels the light calling back to him. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. They, that they... 
he, he's struggling to stay on the dark side to fulfill his mission, to fulfill his what he thinks is his destiny to take over for what Darth Vader was doing. Right. That that is very revealing part of the character development right there. Mm-hmm. Darth, Darth Vader was a conflicted character, so. Yep. And I don't know if any of you have gotten any of the um, making of type books, the Art of the Force Awakens, the Visual Dictionary, all that stuff. But they I've actually looked at the, I looked at the art one. I looked okay. cover to cover. I looked. I at think it. in that one they revealed that at one time they were going to have Force Ghost Darth Vader mm-hmm. that flipped back uh, and forth between Anakin and Darth Vader. Oh, that, cool! Like would be Hayden right. Christensen, but then you'd see right. the mask. It would be like flipping little back angel on the shoulder, because, little devil on sort the shoulder. Sort of <laughs> that you're essentially showing that he was both light and dark, right? And right. he's talking to Kyle. That's Kyle, cool. Which leads me to believe not to jump too far because we don't have limited time left to cover the whole movie. Yeah, but yeah. I really think we're going to see a reprisal from. Hayden Christensen, episode eight. I think so. I think we'll see. I hope so. I think we're seeing Force Ghost Anakin. I think. Back. I think. I think we'll see Force Ghost Anakin. I hope we do. Yeah, I really I, hope I, we do. I, I know. And I know. Great people... way to connect all. Movies yeah. The together. perfect. Exactly. The perfect way to connect yep. all eight movies together now is to bring back someone from the prequels right. and a character that was known in the original trilogy, meld them together to talk to your new villain yep. or whoever mm-hmm. he's talking to. If he's talking to Luke. Whether it's Luke or Kylo, whoever he ends up talking mm-hmm. to, yep. uh, it would just be perfect. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you have like a predictions thing at the end, but I want bring, to bring this that. back, yeah. bring this back up, this topic because I. All right. Heard, well, let's heard try to just hit on some key points so we can get to more of the opinion and prediction stuff. Uh, anything else to say about the Darth Vader helmet scene? Oh, I do. Um, and this is also another time. Later on with his helmet, he takes the Kylo Ren takes his helmet off and puts it in ashes. Yes. Do you think those are Darth Vader's ashes? Well, or? Darth Vader, like all Jedi do, just disappears. Mm-hmm. That that's always been my take. So that would just be ashes of the suit. Mm-hmm. Right, ashes you know? of the suit. Right. right. Yeah, do yeah, I yeah. think it's ashes of suits? It's got to be ashes of something. Will we yeah. find out later that it was meaningless or that mm-hmm. it was a suit? I have no idea. I think it has to do with it. I, I mean, that's a question I when so I asked. You think he kept Abrams. everything when they got the helmet? They kind of just scooped it all up and well, tossed well, it. Well, first of all, got the helmet like. How the hell did well, they get the helmet? That's perfect right. graphic yeah, novel yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah. How, how the hell did they get the helmet? That's story. Well, that's that's yeah. my that's my for the end, but okay. like did, that did that you, I just did you lose lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. we'll get to that. We'll get to that with the predictions. This is yeah. all right. So the next part, we see Ray Wan. This is a big one. Ray wanders to the lower level of the pirate castle because she's hearing voices. She heads downstairs and she stumbles upon after opening a crate that looks very similar to one from Rangers of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> they find she finds the blue bladed lightsaber that yep. was Anakin's and then Luke's the one that he loses when his hand is cut off right. by Darth Vader in at Cloud City right. and just all but touching it triggers force visions. And we start out she gets zapped to at the time I had no idea what it was, but it was Cloud City. Yeah. She mm-hmm. goes back to Cloud City okay. immediately. She then sees hand, Luke's hand touching R2 after the village, or after his Jedi Academy, or whatever it ends up being, right. um, was destroyed by Kylo Ren, which you then see in the next scene where she zooms to the night when it's raining. You see Kylo killing what we assume is one of the, the, the yeah, last Jedi, Jedi surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Knights of Ren, which also that needs to be a book or a movie or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, the night, the story of the Knights of Ren. Oh, uh, they just how, look how absolutely awesome. awesome. Star Wars, this, 
a Star Wars, a Star Wars story, Knights, Knights of, of Ren. Knights of yeah. Ren. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like it writes itself. Well, difficult the... to tell, though. Difficult story to tell because you need Luke for it, and Luke is not getting any younger. In That's fact, true. the opposite is happening. So well, better you for would better able to shoehorn for... Adam Driver into it though, and link everything mm. together because he would he have to be there. Right. And Snoke would probably you would think Snoke's involved in that somehow. Yeah, mm. I I, I think right. that's the a story for I think that's a story a for a graphic novel where you can draw Luke as younger. As younger. Um, so after she sees that, she ends up back on Jakku. She sees herself as a child, and you hear in the background um, people talking to her, um, telling her to basically, I think, get over being left there. Right. And then finally, she sees herself being chased by Kylo in a forest, which is actually kind of a premonition, which we mm-hmm. see come to fruition in a little bit. Apparently, during this process, and I'm pretty sure I heard the first one, but I did not hear the second person, Yoda... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard Yoda. Frank Oz. You heard Yoda. Yeah, yeah I heard. And Obi Wan Kenobi, both Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor. And Ewan yeah. McGregor, That's which what I heard. was originally James Arnold Taylor, who played Obi Wan in the Clone Wars. He let it be known on one of the podcasts that he recorded all of those lines for that vision, and then he said Disney went out and got someone a little bit better. <laughs> they got Ewan to they come in and, and, do, the and do the lines. Now, yeah. the way they got Alec Guinness's voice in it is they took a word that he said from the original trilogy. Uh, I think it was afraid, mm-hmm. and they cut it to say Ray. Afraid nice. goes to it's Ray. I believe that's oh, what I read. Okay. Uh, so that is him saying Ray, and then Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is in that. Right. Um, I think you about... may also hear Luke mm-hmm. in it. Okay. Um, so there's a lot to come out of these visions. I definitely heard the Yoda stuff. Mm-hmm. I did not hear the Obi Wan stuff. I, I didn't hear either of those. But I've only seen I was, it once. I was blindsided. I, yeah, the whole scene was. It was, it was I, too I disorienting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, so I right. was kind of like, "Wait, what?" And then it was over. Yeah, when I exactly. saw it the second time, I definitely heard the voice say Ray. Right, right. But apparently, there's a, a voice after that that says, "Well, Obi Wan saying Ray." These are your first. These steps. are your first steps. Your first yes, steps. Yeah. I think those are the final, the final right. stuff that you can actually hear. Adding a little bit of credence to the theory that Ray may be Obi Wan's granddaughter or daughter. Yes, that's Ooh. that's perfect for the that. end that we will have to discuss. So that would actually be nicer than if she was like Luke's, Luke's daughter. daughter. Yes, for sure. Because I feel like okay. There's a lot of parallels going on that that might be one too many. Yep. Well, and <laughs> so. we've never had. Well, we'll get to the end, Joyce. Yes. Ray snaps back, and is, and Maz walks up to her and tries to explain what's going on, and basically saying it's calling out to you. Uh, this, you know, this is your destiny is mm-hmm. essentially what she's alluding to. But Ray wants nothing to do with it and runs into the Takodana Forest with yep. BB-8. Well, here's why, though, that I think Ray is Luke's daughter because he she says what you're looking for is not behind you it's in front of you and she says luke you know and she's what is she looking for she's looking for her family and she he keeps she keeps saying yeah. to her i want to go back to jacku i want to go back to jacku and he, he says basically shut up because mm-hmm. you're gonna look you're gonna get to where you want to get which is the future which is your father luke skywalker that's in my opinion what i took from that scene mm-hmm. but anyway can you keep going all right, so after uh, Ray leaves, Maz takes the saber and gives it to Han. And uh, you make note that there's an origin potential here because they ask about the saber, how she got it, and she says that's a story for another time. This is, I'll just say right now, this is my number one wish for a Star Wars story is I want to know what happens to the lightsaber from the end of Episode Five when it basically, when, we're, when, we're, when we think that it falls from the sky. To the out, surface out, of... Uh, the best, best city, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't, and then all of a sudden, 
there it is. It's just there. Um, but if they can get Darth Vader's helmet back, they can certainly get this back. Right. All right, so the next part is a, a huge part. Uh, that This is where I thought they could have used a little bit more information, some exposition. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to see the destruction of the Hosnian system by the weapon of the First Order known as the Star Killer. The Star Killer base was a planet that they retrofitted or terraformed to literally eat a sun, right. eat a star. <laughs> And then they send out that energy in a concentrated beam of light that spreads out to attack its targets yep. and destroys an entire star system. Mm -hmm. I believe we see it kill four or five planets when it fires the first time, all of them in the Hosnian system, the main one being Hosnian Prime. Hosnian Prime is the, the current seat of the New Republic that houses the Senate and its mm -hmm. dignitaries right. and I'm sure millions, billions of life forms. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting note here from mm -hmm. the visual guide, and it's kind of alluded to, I think, in the movie, is that the the seat of the new republic actually rotates it was first on chandrilla and then mm. it moved to hosnian prime i don't know if it's because of what who the chancellor is at the time but it's not permanent so there are going to be other new republic outposts out there this right. wasn't everyone but a significant number of the important players mm -hmm. a, a huge amount of civilians yeah. and probably more importantly to the story at least when you're trying to fight evil and a group that has the amount of people that the first order has most of the New Republic's fleet is is gone, it's gone because yeah. of the firing of the Star right. Killer weapon. Right, and it's um, a symbolic victory. I mean, that's the at the time, it's the cultural heart of the New Republic at that time. So, you know, I know it, what you're saying from the visual guide is that it switches, but like that is to say nothing of the physical or psychological losses. Like it's a symbolic victory for the First Order as well. It's kind of like the Alderaan. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. The parallels exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, before they fire the weapon, Hux gives his crazy speech, which was very reminiscent of the Nazi era Germany and now their yeah. speeches. Oh, yeah, uh, that, they, was, that they, wasn't everything. Phew, man, they were very, they very laying heavy. Laying that on pretty That thick was heavy-handed for yeah. sure. Uh, Bill Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the destruction of the Hosnian system is seen on Taco Donna, uh, and that was what forces Finn to decide to not leave with... Uh, the um the cantina patrons or the, the pirate castle patrons and stay and fight so then we're going to finally see a battle on taco donna because we saw earlier while they're at the castle that two different members of the you know the scum and villainy that inhabit the pirate cove one contacts the first order the mm -hmm. uh, the lady that was laying on that big that big uh, monster thing that kind of looks like bosk but on steroids and he ate too much yeah uh and also um, another one that contacted the resistance. So you know they're coming to a head. Mm -hmm. They're going to meet here. And first up is the First Order. They arrive, and they to waste no time in completely obliterating Mazda's castle. It, just decimating it, yep. Uh, we see Kylo, Kylo Ren land, and he hunts Rey, who's still in the forest. Um, she uses the blaster that Han gave to her, having some trouble at first. Mm -hmm. um, but she she's able to use it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, Kylo finally finds Rey and uses one of those new, new moves, the Force Freeze. Yes. Not choking, just right, freezing right, her in her right. spot. Eventually renders her unconscious and takes her hostage. During this, Han, Chewie, and Finn are captured. Uh, we see Finn fight with the lightsaber, fend off that riot control stormtrooper that yells traitor yep. at him. 
We also see Han use Chewie's bowcaster. We Twice finally see film, the strength right? of the bowcaster yes. because they knock the stormtroopers back right. so far when right. they're hit with those bolts. It is a little weird to me, just in incidentally here, that that it's been how many years that they've been together and he's never, and fired, he's never fired the weapon <laughs> i think that like, was kind of the joke like yeah, i guess been i guess together for what 50 years you just, and you've never and never up that fired weapon. the weapon okay. i had to find, figure out something new for them to do exactly <laughs> so they all end up getting captured but they're free when the resistance Here, fleet arrives here's a spot though too that like i think is interesting about the kylo ren's somewhat infatuation with ray at this point because at the end of this scene when he when he when he makes her pass out with the force or whatever he says, "Okay, tell us to load the ship. We, I have what I want anyway." And he take or something like that. Well, yeah, he decides it because she's seen the yeah. map. She's she seen the map. BB8. Oh, that's true. He can, she, yeah. he can okay. take it out of her. He head. can take it out. But of her even head. before then, not to backtrack here, but even before then, when that, uh, I would say, lack of a better term, imperial officer or, or first order officer says, you know, the, the the droid got away. It was accompanied by a girl. He goes, what girl? Yeah, he, and yeah, he force lifts something... her and chokes. So he knows something's going on. Mm -hmm. He has, I, in my opinion, this is probably for the end too, but he has some sort of idea of who she is. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yep. All right. Um, so the, the resistance arrives, led by Poe, who, like I mentioned earlier, just absolutely, you know, I don't know, he, he took a bunch of uh, the Mario mushrooms and become a superhero. Right. And he just kills all these people, both in the air and on the <laughs> ground. Um, and then finally, after they're all freed and everything's good, you see Leia land and they're reunited. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the part that someone already mentioned where Han and Leia are having a moment and 3PO sticks his head in. 3PO jumps in. Just oh, wow. like in Empire Strikes yes. Back yep. when they're sharing a moment and yep. he's like, I fixed so-and-so. And he's like, mm -hmm. classic that's, that's great. <laughs> you might not recognize me because I have a red eye. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, this is classic 3PO. Yeah, yeah. classic 3PO. Right. And then he overstays his welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Leia and Chewie share a hug. You you find out some of the backstory that basically when uh, the crap hit the fan, with uh, which turns out to be, we knew that Han Solo was his father. We weren't certain that Leia was, was his mom That's until true. Han says, it's not confirmed. I saw our son. Yeah, yeah. but you would have to assume that, that if he's force sensitive. He had to be a son of a Skywalker. Not, Very true. I mean, you're probably making that jump, but it's not confirmed until right. right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. He could, I, he I, could we, be a mudblood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw our son, mm -hmm. and um, they, they kind of allude to this part that they couldn't handle what had happened, and that was when, when Kylo turned to the dark side and did what he did to Luke, Luke in the Academy, they kind of separated because they couldn't handle what had happened right and right. han went back to being a smuggler staying away from the resistance and the republic and just going off on his own mm -hmm. that kind of all comes to a head here including when they go back to the resistance base which is on a new planet to car um this is an interesting scene when bb8 meets r2d2 um who we were then told that he's basically essentially been in a droid coma mm -hmm. since luke vanished he's been in low power mode mm -hmm. um we then see our typical war room setup that we've seen in so many Star Wars yep. movies. This is awesome because, again, I watched episode four and five last night, or half of five, and you see that war room, uh, those those pa panels with the circles around them and stuff like that. You see them in episode four. You see them in episode five in, in ta at Hoth. So to see this, this again, and uh, many familiar characters, I'm sure you're going to mention, like Nia Nub and, mm -hmm. and Admiral Ackbar, Akbar and some of these. Uh, it's just so awesome to see that. But go ahead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
here in this scene you find out that the star killer's next target is going to be the home of the resistance the planet of dakar and they need to figure out a way to stop it before it gets there and mm. one of my favorite parts is they kind of give a nod to I mean, I'm, this was all done beforehand, but they probably knew it was coming. That people were like, "A third Death Star? Where's the yeah. originality?" And they yeah. kind of say, "They're like, so it's another Death Star." That's yeah. why they yeah, kind of yeah, say yeah. that in the movie. <laughs> but the best part is when they're like, "Here's the Death Star," yeah. and then here's Star Killer. It's like, "Here's the Death Star." Here's the Death Star on drugs. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the yep. Star Killer is an entire planet, <laughs> right. not a moon-sized moon thing. Size, right. And I didn't really realize until all this has come to a head, and I've been reading so much that it was like, "Here's the Death Star." Here's the second Death Star, which was bigger than the original, and then here's Star Killer. Yeah. So we know the original that Alec, that's no moon because mm -hmm. it's approximately yeah. the size of a moon. Well, the second one was bigger than that, and now you have a planet. So think mm -hmm. about Earth compared to the moon. That's quite the sizable difference. Right. So uh, we then we have uh, Leia and Poe basically figuring out how to mount an attack with the help of Finn. Right, who uh, has essential he knowledge. Has essential knowledge, as we find out as a sanitation consultant mm -hmm. um, on Starkiller Base. Which is a, a nod to Kevin yeah, Smith's yeah, uh, clerks, by say, the way. Kevin Smith, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so they basically say, all right, here we go. Then they head out, they take off, and uh, we head back to Starkiller Base where Ray is being interrogated by Kylo. Now, this is an incredible scene uh, that happens here we start to see Ray's force powers grow or she realizes what she can do right. uh, Kylo starts the interrogation is kind of cocky he takes off his helmet he continues to press and he continues to struggle while he's trying to intimidate and interrogate her um, he she starts to counter him and probes him on her own and completely turns the tables and infuriate infuriates him mm -hmm. um, she tells him that she senses the fear that he has of not living up to his grandfather's legacy, that, that right. legacy that Darth Vader had. Um, this was one of my favorite moments in the movie because even though she touched the lightsaber and had that vision, I was just kind of like, I still wasn't like fully thinking, oh my gosh, she's a force user. And then when she's like, like denying his uh, entry. Right, for, repelling so speak, him basically. Yeah, like uh, I'm like, no way. Yeah. And I'm like kind of going, yes, yes. So. <laughs> yep. Anything else to add about the interrogation uh, scene? Stormtrooper 007 is that? Some, some, <laughs> some of the best acting in the movie, I think. Adam Driver's incredible in this scene. Yes, yeah. and both of them are. When they're, when so they're just tense. looking at each other, you, you're like sweating because you, yeah. you're just, it, the acting in this scene is, is it is It was very, very, intense. very, very good. Very intense. Um, Did they actually say that it was Stormtrooper 007? No, no. I'm about oh, to get oh, to that. Oh. Kylo leaves, that awesome. and Rey is trying to figure out how to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And she sees the one Stormtrooper guarding, yeah. so she tries the Jedi mind trick. And he rebuffs her at first. Mm -hmm. She tries again. I think he rebuffs her again. Mm -hmm. And then finally the third time she really focuses and she gets him to do it. She, he walks over, gets her out of the thing. He leaves the room and then drops the gun after she says, you also dropped the weapon. And he does mm -hmm. that and leaves. Mm -hmm. We, I found out the literally like how, within an hour of getting home that that Stormtrooper was played by none other than <laughs> Daniel Craig Mr. James Bond himself. We had heard rumors since the spring that he has a, a an a uncredited cameo in this, and literally within the hour of it being released uh, on the 17th in those preview shows, we found out that he was the one that had his uh had his mind tricked by Ray. So that that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I love that amazing moment. I liked in this scene. I liked the most that it took Ray three times to do this because it shows that she still is trying to 
figure out how to use the force and learning how to use the force. So I think that was uh, it wasn't just you know Obi Wan saying move you know you will let us move along or whatever. Yeah. It's it's Ray actually trying to learning figure it know, out her her powers. So. So Kylo goes to see Snoke, and he's told by him that he needs to bring Rey to see her because she is a, a Force user, a strong one at that. Um, Kylo goes back to get her and sees she escaped, and he has one of his mini freakouts yep. where he just goes nuts, nuts on the interrogation mm-hmm. chair. I think that's the scene where you see the stormtroopers around the corner. And they, they see what's going go on, back. and they just leave they just and turn walk away and again. Walk away. Yep. Uh, so you, that, but that's another point that they're hammering home that Kylo Ren, incredibly powerful but completely unstable, mm-hmm. both in is he gonna. Is he light side, dark side, but also how he handles everything around him? Mm-hmm. He's just not of the right mind, and they it's got that across a couple it's times. It's his adolescence, you know. He's he's he is. He's not not fully, uh, not not fully in control of himself yet. All right. In the key parts of the films, we've now arrived at the Battle of Star Killer Base. We see um, the first part of the plan is they got to take down the shields. Very reminiscent of Return of the Jedi. This is another part that I think you're going to see a deleted scene where after they crash land the Millennium Falcon, because uh, they have to take it into hyper, hyperspace, basically up into the planet mm-hmm. and fly low to stay undetected. They crash the Falcon, they get out, and all of a sudden the next scene they're at an entryway. Well, mm-hmm. there's a chase scene in between there involving mm-hmm. snowtroopers, um, I think biker scouts, cool. and also the transports we've seen in the toys. That was Why? deleted. Why? <laughs> Again, <laughs> editing con- editing decisions. So you just go to that part where they're kind of standing there. You go from the distance. crash to their entrance. That right. you don't see them be right. attacked. Mm-hmm. You, see, you see them standing out there. That's what he gets. This is, I think, one of the funniest scenes in the movie yeah. when when Han Solo is like. You know, or no? What is? What well, is, what Finn, Finn, say? Finn says that. Can we just use the force or something? Like Finn, yeah. Finn yeah. says that he that. Yeah, why we can? How, how are we going to do this? Hans like, how are we going to do this? Finn's like, I don't know. We'll just use the force. And Han, that's not how the, the force. force works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. So, so um, doesn't Han have some quip about how cold it is, and then Chewbacca che- complains? Che- yeah, Chewie like covered something. in hair or something. Yeah. 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 So you got that good dialogue going back and forth. So they enter the base. Very cool, by the way, to see Han Solo dressed in that coat mm-hmm. once again that we With saw the, him. Oh, a very five. similar to that we saw in the, mm-hmm. when he wore it yeah. on Hoth in Empire. So they enter this area, and immediately they capture Captain Phasma, who is body-checked and body-slammed by Chewbacca. And they yep. force her to complete their mission, which is turning off the shields. Mm-hmm. So you, right away, they've accomplished that. You say body-checked by, by Chewbacca. I just want to make an interjection here. I just read that, um, and it's really I'd be really interested to see how many of these sh- shots in this movie were Peter Mayhew in the suit of Chewbacca, because apparently they had a stand-in, some Norwegian basketball player. Yeah, that, that played at Penn a, State. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, they actually had like four or five people playing, but I think right, it was yeah. Peter Mayhew in key scenes that didn't involve a lot of movement. Because uh, right. I the, saw the basketball the dude player yeah. um, from Penn State, and then I think there were two or three other guys yeah. that also were stand-ins. Good. I saw him recently at some of the premieres, like on video. No, he's and, very you know, wobbly. Yeah. Homeboy is not working too well. No. Like, yeah. yeah. Huh. So they capture Phasma, they have her turn off the shields, and they, they harken back to uh, the, A New Hope again with uh, the trash compactor scene about alluding to throwing her there. Um, you think that she, you know, is she killed in that? Do they kill her and get, dispose of her? Do they throw her down there and she's eventually killed? Does she get out? Is she killed when Starkiller Base explodes? You don't know any of this, but we knew going into the movie because of Kathleen Kennedy that Phasma survived and is mm-hmm. back in episode right, right, 8. Right, right, right. So it kind of took the, the uh, cliffhanger away from that, but... Well, if they were going to eliminate Phasma, then they might as well not even had her in yeah. the movie. Right, because she, right. really, well, she, she, she was the Boba Fett. She was the Boba Fett in the Fett. movie. Yep. Yeah. You know, people want to know more about her. And you know, they will. she looks cool. 
You know, that's basically all Gets we do. Get swallowed by the Starlight Pit. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so they got the shield down. The resistant fighters attack, but they're unable to destroy their target like they wanted to do. So they decide that the, the, the heroes downstairs, Han, Chewie, and Finn, they're going to set charges and detonate to help the uh, resistance above. They coincidentally run into Rey, literally, as they're talking about how to rescue her, she's literally climbing up the Starkiller base, mm-hmm. and they just point, and they end One, up Once again, uh, does not need anybody's help. Yeah. No, And a great not. interaction between Finn and Solo there. Yes, when he, absolutely. When, when he points over to, why are you pointing? You know, it's awesome. Yep. All right, so after they reunite, they go and set the detonators, and this is the scene that everyone will be talking about mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Is While they're setting that? the detonators, Finn and Ray went off to, uh, I forget, what did they, what were they sent to do? I forget. Because no, Han and Chewie were setting the detonators, right. so you see they're them upset. come and climb upstairs, and they're watching everything from above. From above, yeah. But I forget what they were sent to and do. It'll take me, I'll have to watch it again to yeah. see why yeah, how they got up I'll there. I'll let you know tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, so, they're, the First Order, Stormtroopers, and Kylo are, are aware that there's a resistance and traitors amongst them uh, trying to destroy the base, so they confront uh, Han and Chewie. Well, actually, Han goes and initiates the contact with mm-hmm. Kylo. Um, and this is one of the parts of the movie that I... Everyone figured Kylo Ren wasn't his real name. Actually, mm-hmm. we knew Ren wasn't because that comes from Knights of Ren. We found mm-hmm. out he's a Solo. But is he Kylo Solo? Mm-hmm. Well, imme- immediately when Harrison Ford, when Han Solo steps onto that walkway, he yells one thing to Kylo. Ben! Ben! Mm-hmm. So we find out that he is indeed Ben Solo, turned Kylo Ren. Yeah, as soon as he said, Chewie, I'll meet you back here, I said to myself, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I thought either he or Chewie's not making it out of not this. Not coming back. So Han walks to Kylo. They have an exchange. Uh, Kylo is very um, sincere. You can mm-hmm. see how conflicted he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he t- can feel the light pulling at him, but after the conversation with Snoke, which he kind of alludes that he needs to kill his father, yeah, uh, but do you see, like, it, 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 this is how the, the Han Solo character has evolved quite a bit from the old movie. You can see how a, kind of emotional, emotionally invested Han Solo is in his son here. You know what I mean? You don't see this mm-hmm. kind of, This is a side of the character of Han Solo that you don't see in the original trilogy. A right. uh, slightly more emotional character. You know, in, in the other movies, he, he's not really emotional at he all. He wants nothing. He wants no attachments. No, no you know? nothing. He wants no attachments. But you can see that this is a, a slightly older more emotional right han solo kylo tells han that he needs help with something he doesn't think he can do what needs to be done so you think everything's going to be okay as he presents the lightsaber han grabs hold and basically says he will help him do what needs to be done and Mm -hmm. you're thinking han's going to help him bring him back to the light side Mm -hmm. to to Mm -hmm. where he needs to be become a family again and with that kylo ignites the lightsaber plunging it deep through han solo Mm -hmm. And Han, Han, yeah. <laughs> Han touches his son's face for one last time, and then plummets not fall, does not fall onto the the, uh, the walkway. No, he plummets to the bottom of the planet, right? Effectively ending any thought Speculation. that yeah, Han Solo is coming back. Now, like right. we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, will there be some kind of flashback or something that he could have a small cameo? That very well could Un- happen. Undoubtedly. But he is not a character in Star Wars anymore. Right. He's, yeah. He is he's done. Dead. His his legacy is over. Supposedly mm-hmm. he's coming back. Didn't Kathleen Kennedy say something about it? I, well, see, I shared a post that some some executive of Star Wars said the entire cast from The Force Awakens is returning. 
Well, it, it doesn't but surprise me. But that doesn't me. mean it's not going to be a flashback. Yeah, do a flashback, yeah, about Kylo Ren. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think you're right. I think he's dead. I don't think Harrison Ford wants well, the character okay. to be like He was stabbed with a lightsaber essentially really close to the heart. Yeah. He's thrown to the bottom of the planet, and the planet that he's on he's becomes a star. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he is dead. That ends on that. Yeah, yeah that, that sews it up pretty tightly. Yeah. Um, so after that happens, Chewbacca goes into Wookiee rage and just goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts attacking and firing all over the place, one of which hits and injures Kylo. And we saw what the bowcaster does to stormtroopers. Kylo mm-hmm. absorbs it, but isn't the same after that. Um, Ray Finn and Chewbacca go separate ways with Ray and Finn going to the forest. Mm-hmm. Chewie, who we find out later, went to go get the Falcon. Kylo chases Ray and Finn outside where... Almost immediately, Kylo just takes Rey, throws her against a tree, and she's down for the count. Mm-hmm. Finn takes the lightsaber, and we see our first lightsaber du- duel between Kylo and Finn. Yep. And a not, it's one of the first, if not the first time, you see a non-Force user, Finn, battling mm-hmm. a Force user well, with a lightsaber. I think it might be the first time you see a lightsaber battle with a non-Force user. Because right. we saw Han pick it up to yeah. cut open the well, yeah, yeah, I'm just but saying, he's yeah, not a fi- a wielding fight. it. Yeah, a battle between a fight between two people yeah. using lightsabers, one of them being a non-Force user. Mm-hmm. And I think Finn does pretty good considering, yeah. you know, he's never, he's not, doesn't have the Force. Yeah. And, yeah. and doesn't, you know, he has obviously background in combat mm-hmm. being raised as a as a stormtrooper. So I think he uses that, but, you know, Do you think I think that the lightsabers are completely... There's a, pos- a slim, slim possibility that he... Can use the force at all? Well, that's a good uh, question. I've heard that speculation because he is pretty adept with a with a lightsaber. But I, I don't know. I, I think the series would work better if he wasn't. If he, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'd have yeah. to see which direction they decide yeah. to take the character after this. I don't know. So Kylo gets the better of Finn uh, as expected. Yeah. Uh, he deals quite a few blows to Finn that appears to possibly have killed him though we know that not to be true later. And uh, at this point, um, you see... Uh, Kylo? You, well, you see Kylo. I think Kylo is about to completely end Finn. Mm-hmm. He, he really, really took did a number on him, and he's about to end Finn um, with the, the lightsaber that, that Finn drops, the Anakin, mm-hmm. uh, the Vader lightsaber, uh, and Luke's lightsaber. He's trying to summon it from the snowbank. When you see it zoom past him yeah. and into Ray's hand, and this <laughs> may have been my favorite scene from the movie. Yeah. This is the trying to, went nuts trying this to grab yeah. the lightsaber. You think he has it? It's flying towards him. It goes right past his do face, you, and Ray. Do you just remember? Kind of looks yeah. at it. Do you remember though what I said to you in the theater when this happened? Right when they was we was reaching for that saber, I said, and this is what I thought was going to happen next. I thought that saber was going to go into the, the hand of Luke Skywalker at that point. Oh, and I thought really? Luke Skywalker was going to kill Kylo Ren. That would have been, been sick. Yeah. yeah, that was my theory. And then when that did happen. Well, they needed, Ray, Ray had to be the hero yeah. in this. Right, well, yeah, right. yeah. And I that thought when, it, when they got to her, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. That would have been very cool, but for the for the long-term for progression the long of the term of the series, it needed yeah. to be Ray, And it was awesome. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. see, Kylo has the upper hand at first with her, too. Uh, they're going back and forth, back and forth, but then you can see Ray getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and, and Kylo kind of has a mini freak out, mm. and uh, she gets the better of him, injuring his shoulder. Um, it was interesting during this fight that he's punching the injury. Yeah, yeah. That was, that? Well, I couldn't figure out really... what he was what he was doing. Oh, there. I, I think something with a suit or something. I don't I know. I think um, 
it's a uh, part of the dark side. I think it was it's yeah. it's um you know pain, and mm-hmm. I think that's all part of the dark side: fear, anger, pain. Mm-hmm. Like all yeah, that. Yeah. And I think he might have been gaining power from, from it that. from it continuing to hit mm. the injury. Interesting. Or someone else said maybe he already is part cyborg and he was trying to reactivate his re- leg or yeah, something. <laughs> something like that. That was another thing that's been yeah. out there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know from the writers and director. Uh, what yeah, that it's is an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Ray gets the better of Kylo, but before she can end it or even have any attempt, the planet breaks open, forming a literal trench between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Chewbacca shows up with the Falcon. Ray and Finn head on the Falcon. They leave. You see. Uh, Hux talk to Snoke, who instructs uh, the general to go and get Kylo and return him to wherever Snoke is, because he needs to continue his training. Did she cut off his hand? I that, don't. Did you see that? He, uh, I think, he, I think I saw that because I read that. I read that. No, I, I saw don't a think hand. He lost a limb. Uh, watch again, because I watched. I feel second like if too. they would have done that, they would have made a bigger deal. It would have been more obvious. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel, I'll, I'll, I feel I'll like that's not something I you think just he did. I slip think in did. But it, that's been such a theme through all the movies. I feel like they would have had to show it right, more. Right, like it was, right. it was very gray. It wasn't black and white. Mm-hmm. I thought he, that she just destroyed the lightsaber. But we'll, I'll, I'll let you know as I watch it again tomorrow night yeah. if I can figure it out. I thought out. I saw his hand get cut off, but it's tough to see. So Hux, we assume, finds Kylo and leaves. We know that Phasma also left. You see the First Order freaking out because there's no one to give them orders or to help them leave. Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcon leaves. The Resistance has been long gone. And you see Star Pillar kind of explode and then implode and become a star again. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting take on it. Yeah, pretty on it. cool. Uh, but makes sense as it was sucking the, the energy from the uh, the star. It ends up becoming the star when the energy wasn't used to destroy mm-hmm. another system. Mm-hmm. Okay, the finale. Here we are. Oh, my goodness. They go back to the Resistance base. They um, are upset about Han. Well, cel- everybody's celebrating except for except Princess Leia. Right. Leia. General Leia. Ray. Right. Um, they have a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a moment. Then, well, I should, guess I jumped over. R2 wakes up. Yeah. Um, finally, from his low power mode, they take the chip from BB-8. Yep. They finish the map. You see the coordinates. They just, I guess, they give the lightsaber to Ray. Ray hops in the Falcon with Chewie, and R2 goes with, not BB-8, right. R2, because BB-8 belongs to Poe. Mm-hmm. The three of them head to the location. They land. Ray's the only one that gets off. Mm-hmm. She takes a long walk to mm-hmm. wherever uh, Luke is. Mm-hmm. And you finally see him. You see the brown coat. And for a split second, I was like, what if it's not Luke that turns around? Yeah. I wasn't thinking of who it was going to be. Right. But I was like, what if it's not Luke? Yep. Um, and finally, he does turn around. Yep. And she just ex- outreaches, you know, puts her hand out there with the lightsaber. You can mm-hmm. see his the emotion. anguish on his face. Yeah, um, his eyes start to tear up at that, that point. Like, that yep. like 360 helicopter they shot. Just yeah, they do, they do that. See, yeah. there's a lot of people that don't like that shot because they're like, oh, it's not Star Wars. But I think <laughs> no, oh, it was yeah. awesome. amazing. You got to do new stuff. They you do close-ups in that. They do they do co- combined like they do close-ups in that scene of both of their faces. You you get a good shot of the of the, of the saber. You get a good shot of his eyes. You get a good shot of them on the mountain. Mm-hmm. What so more really would cool you want? The, too. As we mentioned when we talked about Mark Hamill's acting in the movie there essentially was no voice acting because he didn't do mm-hmm. anything um he he nailed this part absolutely brent you already mentioned this mm-hmm. it's an incredible scene something i didn't notice and i don't know if any of you you guys did brent especially since you've seen it twice apparently people are saying that luke was standing over a grave yeah you know i saw the pictures i saw that stuff i i don't know i think again you Is talk it... about the hand being cut off i think if they we wanted to see we were supposed to see a grave 
it would have that, been more that's obvious. significant right that's you know? significant. and and i've seen pictures and people and i think it's just a stone that's sticking up off the again ground. for the third or fourth time i'll have to take a better yeah, look yeah, yeah, right, right. Right. i tried to look for that when i saw it the second time but it was like is... i couldn't see it from any angle except, for, except for the helicopter angle mm. it would make sense mm. because if if ray is his daughter is it his wife Right, you know, or is it the mm-hmm. Jedi that got killed? Is it is the, it a Jedi right. part of the but Jedi Order? Right. Mm-hmm. Was there a, a sibling involved that we haven't heard anything about? Mm-hmm. Um, well, this was know. what planet is this? Did, was this ever established? Was, they said it was the planet that was the home to the first uh, Jedi, Jedi Temple, temple yes. right? Which, but they I don't think there's a name. We for don't it know that yet. yet. Yeah. Um, and then we see the wipe, the music, and that was that's the Force Awakens. So. Okay, sorry. We're gonna do a recap here, obviously, but well, we're gonna unanswer questions. Unanswered questions. Um, well, well, we're gonna run through these real quick, but let's do because we're ending the film before we have questions. Let's do our quick um, overall one to ten. What would you give it? I'd, I'd give it an eight. Um, you know, there's always. I, you know, I didn't think it was a perfect movie for some of the reasons we talked about earlier. Um, again, I'm in a minority of people who likes a little bit of uh, political backstory for the Star Wars universe, so I found that part of the film just a little lacking. I, I would have liked to have learned a little bit more uh, about the political situation of the galaxy uh, post-Empire, post-the fall of the Empire. But, uh, you know, you, you, there's just you can nitpick all you want, but it's a solid movie, a great addition to the franchise. So I, I, I'd clock it in at an 8. Hey, Brent? I would say... Uh, my number is a bit higher, probably like an 8.7, close to a 9. Uh, I just thought that as far as a Star Wars movie is concerned, this was a very good Star Wars movie. You know, I don't really care how it ranks among other movies and, and like how critics look at it. I look at how this ranks, uh, again, I don't rank the movies, but I, how this is as far as a Star Wars movie. For me, this is a very good Star Wars movie. One of the things I liked most about this movie is that I was very very excited to see the classic characters come back the legacy characters luke leia han and they delivered 100 percent. but what i liked about this movie as well is that i was equally um excited leaving this movie to find out what's going to happen to these new characters mm-hmm. that we saw which i thought was like okay wow that's the future of this franchise that's the future of this and i was just as excited to know what was going to happen with ray um, and Kylo Ren, as I was about, okay, how's Luke going to be involved in this next movie? Greg? I have to say, with Brent, like 8.7, my, ho- my hope is that one day it's like more like a 9 or a 10. Um, you think back to the first time you saw the movies, like I think we all probably would have rated episode one way higher than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would have rated Empire Strikes Back way lower the, the first time seeing it. Right. And, and I was probably well, like six or seven or eight when I saw it the first time, mm-hmm. and I I like hated it. I was like, the bad guys won. That's so lame. But <laughs> now looking back on it, that is my absolute favorite Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, uh, the the it will increase, and I I think that it will. So um, but yeah, like I th- I think that the old characters made it feel original. You had some new elements to it. I think that even they, they even touched on some some bits and pieces from the the prequels because they, they are a part of the story and so I think that it did a really really good job of, of uh, putting all the putting all of it together and, and really setting you up for a new uh, new storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing that the Force Awakens has going for it long term is that it's just the beginning of the trilogy, at least the trilogy. So when there's more stuff known, when you watch it, it'll probably make the film even better. 
Mm. Like when you go into it knowing who Ray is or Finn is or or even Poe, you know, when you have more of the character development from 8 and 9 or any of the anthology movies or any of the the books, like when you have more information, you can go back on it and say, wow, this is even better now that 8 is out. Um, but I'm in, in terms of my opinions on the movie, I'm right there with you guys. And I've said this to um, the guys from the Star Wars Underworld. I said to them when they've asked, what would you rate the movie? And I told them that depending on how I'm feeling, who I'm talking with, it's anywhere from an 8 to a 9. So mm -hmm. I generally say 8.5. I went over some of my um, qualms with it in terms of editing and pacing, uh, lack of context. Like you mentioned, I enjoy the politics. I could have used a little bit more of that. Uh, and again, um, the music I didn't I didn't think was as good as what we were used to, especially with the prequels. How amazing John Williams stuff was there. Um, I didn't really have any issues with the dialogue or, or like we mentioned the actors. So that's why I say this is you know a solid eight and a half from me. And I think after watching a few times, it's probably going to be closer to a nine. Um, could end up going down as my favorite Star Wars film of all time. Um, but again, I think that the impacts of eight and nine will will could alter that score mm -hmm. i anticipate it'll make it better but uh it, it could maybe diminish it a little bit if you're like oh well we got so much more in eight or nine that it has to dwarf seven that's uh, one thing i think is great about this movie though is that um <laughs> it's the first uh you watch episode four if you watch that for the first time it ends and you don't necessarily are you're not necessarily uh craving the next episode because uh, again that one that was, was was originally made the, George Lucas didn't know if he was going to you know, make more movies uh, necessarily, I, th I don't think. So um, then with the success he did. But this movie, I watched this and immediately after the movie I was like, I want to see the next movie. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I think this movie did really well that the original Star Wars really didn't do. It didn't, say, it didn't leave you on a cliffhanger saying, okay, what's going to happen now? And I think that's one of the best things about this movie is that you left asking all these questions still. Not every question was answered at the end of this movie. Mm -hmm. Even the questions that we had going into this movie, not over, not, you know, no were answered. So, All right, so we've answered a few, or we've exposed on some of these questions that we had one answer. We talked about, we need to know what happens to the Anakin Luke lightsaber between episode 5 and 7. How does it go from assuming uh, Cloud City or Bespin to Maz's castle? Mm -hmm. We talked about that. Who is Laura Santeca? We said we have to know, and mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll find out. The other two that are out there, one, who is Snoke? Yep. Who is he? Is the rumor that's been making the rounds for a long time, is is he Darth Plagueis? Did Emperor or did Darth Sidious fail to kill him when he said that he did to assume power in the galaxy? Hmm. We know from uh, some official sources that... Uh, Snoke has been around for a long time. He was present during the prequels, okay. that era. We wow. know that right. from official sources. Hmm. He's just kind of been hanging out. Mm -hmm. Does he have ties to the Old Republic, right. that era of stuff? Now, I know that's all legends now, but something happened before right. the prequels. Does he have force ability? Does he have force abilities? Are you talking about Lord's Intake right now? No, no, no. no, no, no I was talking Snoke. about Snoke. Oh, Snoke, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So who is, he? who is he? What is he? Right. You know. I think he has force Jar -Jar abilities. Binks. I think he definitely has force abilities because at the end. At the end. Good Lord, Greg. <laughs> uh, no. I didn't come up with that. Okay. Um, but no, I think he definitely has to because... He, at the end of this movie, says to General Hux, you know, get Kylo Ren. I have to finish his training. Yeah. Right. So how is he well, going to train him in the Force? I don't know if he says, 
I don't think he says I have to finish his training. I think it says it's time for him to finish his training. Oh, oh. I don't know if he says I, I have yeah, to. I have to see true. that. No, you have to right. see that again. But semantics. But it's important. Yeah. Because maybe it's not him training. Anymore. That's right. That's right. Maybe yeah. not. Yep. We're we're so used to the guy in charge being yeah, a, a major force user, but yeah. we don't know that for sure. Like the emperor, we didn't know if he, what his force ability was like until later on when he starts lightning people and right, stuff like Return that. Right, Return of the know? Jedi. Right. So, or Revenge of the Sith, depending right. on when you're watching. Right. Uh, the other one, big one that we want covered is the Knights of Ren. That mm -hmm. That's a big one out there that we know nothing about. But man, is that begging, begging for uh, for more information. Sure. Then the last one, the one we've talked a little bit about, but is a huge one, mm -hmm. is Rey related to any of the main characters? Right. The big one right now that I think people are leaning is that she's the daughter of Luke Skywalker. Mm hmm um, the other one out there, and I mentioned this to Brent before the movie came out months ago, mm. is could not not necessarily Ray, but could one of the main characters be a descendant of Obi Wan Kenobi? Well, right. Have That's... you watched the Disney Infinity uh, video game? Yeah, clip and that has supposedly saying... been debunked. Really? Um, that you see Kylo and Ray fighting, and Kylo says, "What does he say?" Something about come, come here, come cousin. at me, cousin. Yeah, mm. but it's it's it was a mixture of him saying a line. Ray attacking him, and supposedly he says curses, oh, okay. not cousin. Not cousin. Okay. But in the gameplay and the audio quality, you mm, couldn't tell. No, that was good. from Pablo Hidalgo, who was part of the story group that debunked it, saying okay. he says he's saying curses, uh, not okay. cousin. Okay. Um, but the, but before any of that came out, people were saying that's Luke's daughter. Mm -hmm. I tend to buy into that. Before seeing the movie, I really thought there was going to be a descendant of Kenobi in it because yeah. I thought that would just be a different spin on it that you weren't mm -hmm. expecting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But after watching the movie, I'm in the camp that really believes that, that Rey is Luke's daughter. If so, there's a lot of crappy parenting going on in, in this <laughs> yeah. whole well, universe. People, people be being left at a young age on Jakku. I know. <laughs> yeah. Deserted. Well... Uh... I really don't know what to believe, to be honest. I mean, it's pretty heavy-handed at times that it's that it's a, a, a descendant, like so that she's a Skywalker. Um, well, we have a descendant of the Skywalker, and we were told by Kathleen Kennedy the main trilogies, you know, the main story will always be about Skywalker. Skywalkers. We have a Skywalker descendant. Mm -hmm. Ben Solo is Skywalker blood. True. So it true. doesn't have, have to, to be Rey. It, it could be, be the Rey. story of redemption with Kylo. Mm -hmm. Is Rey really not related to anyone? Could she just be another... Um, creation from the Force. We know Anakin mm. just sprung out so of nowhere. Midichlorian birth. Right. Is the same thing happening with Rey. That's mm. true. That's very true. Well, she she was born from someone and maybe adopted. There were no true parents there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. she didn't just appear out of thin air, I assume. But, right. you know, has she? maybe there is no relation to mm. the Skywalkers. Maybe her job is going to be to bring Kylo Ren back. Mm -hmm. So you have a Skywalker on the light side. Mm. Cool. I, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of theories out there. Yeah. Yeah. I I think she is Luke's daughter. I really do. Yeah, cool. I agree. I also heard rumors that, uh, be, for for Kylo Ren to be believable to Snoke, that he had to kill his father, even though he didn't really want to. Kind of kind of like the whole uh, Snape thing in Harry uh, Potter. Right. Yeah. Sure. He's really yeah. good the right. whole time right. but, you heard but, that he, theory too. but he has to prove he's yeah, bad he, mm -hmm. that so he kills Dumbledore Kylo mm -hmm. Ren is doing a long con and, and, this, and was whole, uh, this was baked up with Luke Skywalker and he kind of got off the rails or took it a little too seriously yeah well hey yeah, and that, that'd possible. be an interesting turning point yeah, I, I believe it yeah and then the three of them or the two of them however many would be left combined forces to kill Snoke mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so are there any other questions that we didn't really touch on that 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 we need to address 
that's enough for one. Yeah, movie. man, we uh, went almost two and a half hours. And, uh, <laughs> so I, we, I mean, and we rushed through it too. Yeah. We rushed through it. Because, my wife's gonna, my wife's gonna kill me. Yeah, I'm getting, so, I'm getting text from your wife, Joey. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna, we're wrapping up right now. So, How much longer was okay. it? It's going to last. <laughs> All right. So, on the next episode of the Joe and JR Show, we're doing show 196. It's Sunday, January 3rd. Probably in the afternoon, we'll be talking NFL Week 17 with Justin. He'll be back. Continue to visit JoeMazeAndJRF.com and JMNJRRadio.com. If you want more from these guys, you can find Dr. Brian at SemioticRobotic.net or TheNoisySignal.com. He's also an editorial team member at OpenSource.com. Yes, sir. Thank you uh, for having me on your sports talk show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to talk sports with you. Brent, uh, Triple Rattle McHugh Percussion Studios in West Lawn. You can find him at TripleRattleMcHugh.com. Greg... Uh, you can't find me anywhere. You can't find him anywhere. <laughs> He's like Luke Skywalker. He's on Twitter at GMHill07. Uh, I think that's it. Thanks, you guys, for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Oh, totally. Yeah. Thanks, right. man. Appreciate it. So uh, I think that's about everything here. We're going to wrap it up and uh, say, yeah, I've gotten text here, too. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us on this special edition of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Don't forget, you can download each episode of the show from the podcast section of the iTunes Store. We'll see you next time, and thanks again for listening. <laughs>